Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Star Wars prequels. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, uh, in this podcast, uh, we like to talk about games and TV shows and movies and nerdy stuff that we like and are interested in i guess and uh you know it's funny that we got to a hundred episodes without having like a real in-depth conversation about about star wars i mean we i mean we we had we've we talked had a, to, yeah we've talked about star wars like on the periphery a couple of times i um, mean we, we did rogue one yeah 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 but like and you know and we did you know we did star wars video games uh star wars rpg uh you know, right but of like course that. star wars we we haven't talked about especially yep and yep. we w- yep yeah but so this is the long awaited we actually we announced this a while ago but this is the long awaited double sized 3 hour episode that is uh our deep dive into episodes 1 2 and 3 the phantom menace attack of the clones revenge of the sith the star wars prequels and much maligned but <laughs> yeah much maligned uh <laughs> yeah so so I'll, I'll, i'm gonna put this out there right now um we both like the prequels better than most people do i think buddy likes it a lot more than i do um i do i really like i really enjoy the prequels um and you know we both rewatched them in in you know preparation of this um i also rewatched all three plinket reviews buddy did some additional reading on like ring theory or, or something like that right yeah you know because I, I think there's a lot of discussion about the prequels um that is almost more interesting than the movies themselves like i'm i'm fascinated by how people have reacted to them especially as time has gone on um because it's uh uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of like the first of its kind um, when it comes to these like you know reboots reboot quills right we we live in them now we have so many of them now right uh, but the Star Wars prequels were really the first of their kind when it came to this stuff right you know twenty years after the release of uh, the original Star Wars right we get a bunch of prequels that continue you know or kind of explain I guess the uh, you know, like the origins of that story, and now when we have like, you know, Terminator Genesis, right, and uh, Rambo sequel, um, and Creed, right, like these kinds of movies, um, I, I, I just yeah, the, right, the, like The Hobbit, right. I find I find all of these kinds of movies to be very interesting um, because the the Star Wars prequels were kind of like the in both in both times right you know you have the the original star wars right which is kind of grouped in with stuff like jaws right and and the godfather as these mega movies right these blockbuster movies that radically redefined how we how we think about movies going into the 80s and 90s and now you have the star wars prequels which even though you know like they're not great or or whatever you know the star wars prequels are actually kind of the blueprint for the kind of movie making that we're into right now right super geek focused very continuity focused um and uh and at the end of the day um uh keyed into properties of like the past um but yeah so uh formatting wise uh so if you guys want to want to uh skip around a little bit um the the intention is to spend about an hour each on each of them right so it's one episode but kind of three episodes of discussion we're not really going to do much with our weeks um 
And uh, uh, so if you fast forward to kind of the one hour mark, right, um, you'll get to episode two. Uh, fast forward to the two hour mark, you'll probably get to around episode three, give or take sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess we're going to start with episode one. Yep. The Phantom the fa- Menace. The Phantom Menace. <laughs> For a long time, this is my very favorite Star Wars movie. Did you know that? Did I, t- did I ever tell you that? Nope. Yeah. That was... That was uh, for the longest time, probably until I saw the full seven movie marathon at the start of The Force Awakens, did I kind of switch my pick from The Phantom Menace to uh, Revenge of the Sith. You and, know, uh, this is really funny because you give me so much shit about having nostalgia goggles for Nintendo. Oh, like, I, yeah, no, listen, I want to 100% admit that, th- that this is very nostalgia. Right. I actually also think this is really interesting because you and I are the same age. Like, typically I kind of have this conversation with people who are older than me and they really hate the Star Wars prequels. And I kind of have to go into it a little bit because, like, like, and, and <laughs> I lived in a world where Star Wars wasn't cool or interesting until the Star Wars prequels. Like, when I was a kid. Did, did you did you watch Star Wars before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably watched Star Wars when I was maybe, like, four or five. You know, like, when I was young. Um, I remember watching all of them. I didn't like Empire Strikes Back. I thought Empire Strikes Back was bad. <laughs> I thought the original one was boring. Um, and I liked Re- Return of the Jedi a lot. That was my, like, original five-year-old hot take on the original trilogy. But even then, I wasn't really into it. And none of my friends were, it felt like. You know, like, we were more focused on stuff like, you know, I don't know, like, Pokemon or... What you know? I, I don't remember what we were. Uh, Power Rangers was huge, right? Like we were all about kind of uh, kind of Power Rangers. But then 1997 hit, right? And the Phantom Menace came out, and all of a sudden, all of us went apeshit for Star Wars, right? It was insane. I mean, like to th- th- to explain a little bit about like how much me and my friend group, I guess, like people my age, loved the Phantom Menace at the time that it came out. Every birthday party for about six months, and up until mine, right? Like, my birthday is at the end of November. Star Wars comes out at the end of May, right? Every party was a Star Wars party, right? Where we would go, we would watch The Phantom Menace, and then we would, like, come back to somebody's house and, like, play Star Wars until it was time for, like, cake and presents or whatever. And my, which is true of my birthday, six months later, right? Like, we just, we all went insane for Star Wars at that point and really were kind of uninterested in it uh before before then um which i mean you've talked about like the opposite of that being the case right yeah yeah the original star wars was was foundational yeah i don't remember like i don't remember not knowing what star wars was like it it was it was so much of my of my uh, i guess uh dna that like i was i was ready for um i was ready for the prequels and they came i was excited um but i wasn't up like I think kind of in the same way I wasn't upset by them. I kind of, the, the weird thing was, is like I've watched the the four, five, and six so many times and like poured over like uh, dictionaries and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I never really watched watched them again. Like I only watched them all the prequels once um, until, until basically uh, episode seven was on the horizon. And like in my mind, like I, I had never borne the mill wheel, but I guess like, the you know decade of people insisting that they were shit, um, kind of like entered my mind as kind of like the what's what's the word the, the cultural consensus or whatever yeah yeah the cultural and, consensus is that yeah, they're shit yeah and and that like 
that kind of sh started to, sh to shape me. Like, oh, like, whatever. And then I went and watch watched them again for episode seven. I'm like, oh, these aren't as bad as people said. They're, they're, they're worse than I remembered them. But they're not, they're not that bad. Yeah, I uh, mean, I, and I do want to cop to kind of my nostalgia goggles. Um, because I think that's very true, right? Like, uh, I think you kind of almost have two camps, right? Like, I really disagree with the kind of the Plinkett camp, which is these movies are absolutely god-awful, right? And they are, like, the worst thing that has ever graced cinema um, ever sort of thing, right? Like, there's that kind of, like, view codified almost by those reviews. Um, and then on the other side of things, you kind of have stuff like this Star Wars Ring Theory article, which is kind of like, no, they're, they're secretly brilliant. You're just a dummy for not you know for not getting it and it's just kind of like there's a middle ground right you know what i mean like i so for instance um i think the first one is actually pretty average as far as movies go right like yeah it's not it's not as good as something like you know to kind of like pick on modern examples it's not as good as something like the spider-man movies right or like pacific which, rim which, which right spider-man movies uh, like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, okay. right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, nerd stuff that came out in the 2000s that was, quote-unquote, like, Lord, original sort the of Lord thing. of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, right, like, the Lord of the Rings, right? Um, but it's also not, like, Transformers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a huge gulf between, tra like, the Transformers movies, by the way, which I do defend to people sometimes, because I think they are also better than people give them credit for. But there's, like, a ton of space between all four because I haven't seen the fifth one, of these Transformers movies, and Star Wars The Phantom Menace, right? Like, yeah, it's not quite as good as The Empire Strikes Back. It's not quite as good as, you know, like, Episode Four sort of thing, um, even though I don't think Episode good Four is quite as good as people remember it in insofar as, like, viewing it as a movie, right? You know what I mean? Like, um, I think it's just kind of, I think it's just kind of average, right? It's pretty flawed, right? The characters are kind of one-note, and you know uh, the 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 second act is is like draggy, I guess, and stuff like that. But it also has like it has really good cinematography, right? You know the the music is fantastic. Um, I think the choreography of the lightsaber battles and the action scenes in general is like stellar. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of good stuff also to to point to when it comes to the Phantom Menace that I kind of feel like gets lost in the muck. Um, but those kind of two extremes, which are, like, the weird way that the conversation gets dominated, I guess, yeah, um, um, are, are things that I really rail against. Uh, and, I don't, I, and, you know, I, I think it's a stretch to say that, like, the Ring Theory people are any, anybody of any significant size. Like, mm, I, mm. like I think the general opinion is it's just crap and no one else cares enough to make a conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think that there's a couple things in The Phantom Menace that really make... But, okay, so, by the way, for everyone, spoilers for episodes 1, 2, and 3 in this Indeed. whole podcast. Yep. If, if you're late on that train, sorry, you know. But, you know, it's, if, if you haven't seen them yet, go watch them, I guess. Um, but, like, I, I think there's some things about this movie that um, kind of... Th they are bad in some ways that are uh, there's a couple things here one i think they're bad in some ways that are easier to pick up and less about the star warsness of it and more about kind of other things where it, like i think it's particularly in phantom menace natalie portman doesn't do a good job delivering her line she sounds very very wooden yeah um and like that's like an actor problem that's you know part of what makes the movie good or not 
Yeah. But it's also like it's it's not necessarily a very Star Warsy thing that's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also issues with um, uh, 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 the um. I, so I've talked about this before, but the, the kind of obsession with practical over digital effects. I think I think that kind of attitude is born with this movie, and it's justified. The CG does not hold up. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree uh, to a certain extent with that, but I also think that there are aspects of the CG that people are unnecessarily harsh about and on. Um, the, the the poster child of this is like, you know those rolling planes of Naboo that just kind of look like... Like shit? Yes. Yeah, that, that's not CG. That's real. Really? Yeah. That's photographs from California. I actually found this. Well, I found this out because in my research, I was looking up what people were saying kind of for and against, and somebody mentioned this, and I was like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And it's, it, like it, the, and it, well, it's like the Windows XP background. You know how that, that yeah, yeah. hill? That's also real. That's a photograph, right? <laughs> but it's a photograph that looks fake because, like, there's this weird uncanny valley to, like, understanding yeah. CGI if that makes sense, that kind of didn't, you know, I'm I'm sure part of it is that like, so I think that like a lot of the more organic looking things don't look great. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think, I think boss sets look particularly bad. And like the things that you don't know are CG on top of something that could be CG just kind of, I think tricks you. Um, I do think there's also a lot of great in this movie that doesn't get talked about a lot. Like the buildings are all like the, all, all of like the kind of the background buildings are CGI Mm -hmm. and they're great, right? Like they, they, they do hold up. But a lot of the uh, a lot of the kind of like more organic looking CGI and even the robots like there's some weird stuff I think I think it's the lighting um, just doesn't just doesn't play right um, and and uh, it, and like there's a lot of times where um, especially with like the characters you could have done it with a prop and they chose to do it with CGI and you can tell this is particularly apparent on Yoda. Um, because you know he's he he was a puppet and is CGI in the in in the prequels. Uh, well, he was, he was a puppet for the in the first uh, episode. Yeah, it's, and then it, they replaced him later or whatever. It, it's much worse in episodes two and three, definitely. Yeah. But like, there are definitely point. There are definitely moments in episodes two and three where Yoda could have been a puppet. Um, I don't know that you could have mixed and matched in that way. I mean, I have a lot of problems with Yoda and how Yoda comes across in the in the prequels, mostly in Episode Two. I think he's very bad in uh, Episode Two, but um, yeah. Uh, the the uh, I I don't know that you could have mixed and matched and had that been worthwhile. I mean, I I definitely agree with you, mostly for the Gungans. I think that whole Gungan fight scene thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think that all of that is trash. Yeah. Uh, um, so so there's there's a moment. Um, it's the moment where Amidala goes to the, goes back to Naboo and uh, asks the uh, and asks the Gungans essentially for an alliance, and they cut to just like a, a shot of like a handful of Gungans, and like I had to pause it because I like it like took me aback, and it they all look terrible. They look like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. weird, smooth, like like bad CGI, like yeah. Um, but um. There's a couple more kind of, like, overarching points that I wanted to bring up. Um, one of them is that, like, I think this movie also suffers from, or not suffers from, benefits from, from kind of us, is, is this hindsight effect. Um, where, like, um, you, you know how kind of we, we hate on a lot of, of episode seven, right? Like, like Ray's, mm-hmm. Ray's bullshittery or whatever. Um, I think there's a world where they managed to save that in episodes eight and nine, and they managed to write it better. 
like, like they managed to like you know kind of retcon things in a way that makes that more acceptable. Right. Um, and I think that this movie, th- these three movies, benefit from that. Not only kind of like the sum total of the three movies, but also, um, kind of the the original expanded universe and whatnot. I don't think they could do a good job. I've said this before, but you know, I don't think they do a good job of painting. Qui-Gon as kind of the bad boy rebel of the Jedi. I just don't think that they, they, they translate that idea well. I mm, Do I think they translate that idea well? I definitely don't think they do it well. They don't do it well in episode one. But watching episode one, knowing that, it feels a lot better. Yeah, right? it's really tough, actually. Because I, like those two things have always been linked in my mind, right? Like... And, and in episode one, I feel like I always, I, look, I like it and I pick up on it when they talk about him being a maverick or whatever, right? And he's talking about the living force, which is kind of like his personal philosophy about the force and stuff like that. Um, and uh, Well, so, so part, part of the problem there is that, like, we haven't seen a lot of Je- Jedi, right? We've seen, we've seen Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Luke. Yeah. And, like, the perversion of Darth Vader and, and, and Palpatine. And not a lot about the philosophy, right? Like, mm-hmm. And then our first exposure to the Jedi Order is Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And so the Living Force is kind of a very Qui-Gon thing, right? Mm-hmm. But because he's the first one we see it, we kind of you kind of assume that yeah, that dog I know run. what you mean, yeah. Because he sets the status quo, but his character is also kind of defined yeah, by yeah, rebelling he, against the status quo. Yeah, right? he, he's like, he's yeah. supposed to be like the, the kind of like loose cannon cop, but we don't know how loose cannon regular cops are. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, and I have to say that I find this to be really like, if there are points in Star Wars that make me sad, right, like missed opportunities, this has got to be a huge one, especially in episode two. The, the very worst the single worst moment in Star Wars to me, right, insofar as it's a missed opportunity, is the conversation between Count Dooku and Obi-Wan Kenobi in Episode 2, where he's, like, floating around or whatever. And this is a little bit of part of that, right? Because, like, because Qui-Gon wasn't kind of as fleshed out inside of the movie itself um, as he should have been, I think it kind of dismantles part of the movie's point, which is that, like, no, the Jedi aren't... The Jedi, like... The Jedi are, quote-unquote, the good guys, but they're very flawed, right? Um, in the way that, like, you know, uh, like, a, like a Greek hero is flawed. And it's a result of these flaws that they are outwitted and eventually defeated by the Sith, right? This is kind of the arc, I feel like, of the Jedi in general. Right. And this all starts in Episode 1 sort of thing. Um, but Qui-Gon is, in the text, the person who's right. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, at the very end of it... Yoda brings it back up, and he's like, you know what, I, I've, I have more training for you, right? We, you and me, we're gonna fix this sort of thing. Yoda, Yoda, and Obi Wan, we're gonna fix this, and uh, and the vessel that they use to do that is Qui Gon, because Qui Gon is the person who's kind of ultimately right. Right, because he kind of "quote unquote" fixes the flaws that you know. A lot of these flaws, by the way, are embodied by Mace Windu. Um, he kind of fixes these flaws of the Jedi, and that's how you get to the Jedi of four, five, and six. But all of that gets very muddied because Qui Gon doesn't have a great introduction. Right? This carries well, I feel like, because I know, like, I really loved Qui Gon as a character, and I remember voraciously reading about you know, like, co- like comics and like no- novels and shit about like him and Plo Koon and stuff like that. Um, and it's really tough for me to uncouple that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, like, I think I think that's the biggest missed opportunity in the prequels is setting that stuff up because it's so clearly where they want to go. Yeah. 
Um, and then, and then the last, the last kind of like big overarching thing I wanted, to, I wanted to mention is that, um, it's it's, it's this this kind of trend. I, I I haven't come up with a name for it yet, but it's like once you once the thing that breaks kind of like your like what's the thing once the thing that makes you go sour goes sour, you start looking backwards for things that justify how sour you feel about it. Yeah. Right. Like uh like. Oh uh, man, this actually kills me to be honest. This is like probably the the this thing on top of the kind of fanboy entitlement thing but like that principle is what sours me so much on the plinket reviews yeah um uh we can talk i, I don't think the plinket reviews are, are very fanboy entitled at all they're they're just kind of like mad about things that I, I, th I, I think it's an out so so my my philosophy on the plinket reviews and kind of the the nerd culture that they represent right um is the kind of uh is the kind of uh that that fanboy mindset of which is essentially just kind of described by like i'm someone who grew up with star wars and when i got more star wars it didn't meet my expectations right and therefore it's absolute garbage trash and george lucas is the worst i think you know like there's a lot of stuff that i i, I you know i don't want to disagree too much with the plinket reviews because i think there's a lot of stuff that's actually pretty pretty solid in there right like they are 100 percent on the money when um, I think this bit sucks or whatever, but, like, the thing where you can't really describe the characters in episode one, like, yeah, I think that's on the money because I think these characters are not well described, right? Yeah, no, um, and I, I think this, this is actually part of the, this, this Qui-Gon thing I was talking about, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, can describe Qui-Gon as kind of the loose cannon cop, but not only taking episode one into account. Um, yes. and, and, like, you, you can give him that kind of... Uh, d description and there, there's there's some other stuff deeper there too, but basically the the thing just to, to finish out my point about like the looking backwards and just there's a lot of stuff in there that's kind of like missed points that kind of could resolve the plot, but those are things that you would ignore if you had a positive view of the film, and it's kind of like like my gold standard for this is like is the offense that you're pointing out worse than the opening of episode four when they don't shoot the escape pod because there's no life form support. See, that's exactly, oh man, I love that you use that example because I have this example for like all of these fucking, you know, like all, all of the original trilogy movies have problems like this, but in the same way that we laugh at, um, you know what I mean? Like we laugh at Jar Jar Binks or whatever and, and kind of, um, are and are 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 shitty and negative about it. Right. And ridicule the movie. These are also problem. Like, like, I, when people apologize for the shitty lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader in Episode 4, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this in our Episode 4 bit, but, like, to me, right, like, there's this whole point in the Plinkett review where he essentially kind of says, like, the Episode 4 lightsaber battle is good because it's emotionally charged, right? Which it is, and I don't want to take that away, but the choreography is just two old men kind of swinging sticks at each other, and it is visually unengaging it's not a good action sequence right and like yeah i think that the action sequence at the end of episode one could have been better by you know like having having stronger characters with motivations right that we could like key into or whatever but like yes it, you know like it is it is visually stunning and that choreography is great right yeah um, and so that kind of stuff i feel like is is one of the uh is like one of the one of the ways this stuff breaks down yeah no i i, I am definitely like i'm probably gonna argue with you about about the the original trilogy lightsaber fights um but uh but like i, I definitely agree with you that like the fact that the the fights are well choreographed is a is a positive point for the prequels mm. um 
and the, and the fact that they're they're exciting fights. Um, I don't like the kind of the the criticism that like they are fancy to kind of like hide the fact that they are kind of insubstantial. Uh, in, in terms of like plot weight, uh, I think that's kind of like I, I don't I don't I don't know what the right way to put this is, but like you could ha- you could have both. I do think it's valid to look at um to look at epi- to, to look at the, the the fights in the the prequels and be like they don't have enough weight to them, um and and thus that that's a problem. But but I definitely agree yeah. With I mean people. I I and I want to I want to single out this one in episode four. Um, because I think that is the like from a visual standpoint, that's the worst one. Right? All right. I mean, um, I haven't episode watched episode five and six. I think are much better uh, in terms of uh, how they use how they use their lightsabers and do their lightsaber fights. In fact, I think the the the, the lightsaber fight at the end of episode six. You know, I mean, my I think the best one is Obi Wan versus Anakin in episode three. Um, but that one in episode six is right up there. You know what I mean? Like, I think those are the two best lightsaber duels. Uh, that occur in all of in all of Star Wars because they are both right, visually stunning and right um, uh, emotionally charged. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna probably like I'll, I'll get to, I haven't watched episode four in a while, but when when we do the next Star Wars episode, we'll we'll get there. Okay. Um, but uh, let's let, let's 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 focus on episode one for definitely. The moment. Yeah, man, it's so easy to bleed across. Yeah. Uh, you know, to bleed, bleed across them. Um, so, what are your feelings about the pod race? Uh, how do you, how do you, um, do you do you agree with people that shit on the pod race or are do you think the pod race is in know, in terms cool? in, in terms of w- like w- what aspect of the pod race right so typically what so typically what gets complained about when it comes to the pod race it feels like is um, you know that it's kind of this like set piece that's not justified right that the 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 plot mechanics that set up the pod race as being an important part of you know like the story right like. That uh, you know that winning the pod race means Anakin gets to take, or that Qui Gon gets to take Anakin, right? Um, that winning the pod race will also get them the money that they need to fix their ship, uh, and 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 these you know and these kinds of things. Um, so, uh, so you're talking about basically the, the, the plot convolution because that's the thing I've heard a lot too, right? Like that, uh, that like you know what, like why do they have to go through this seven step process to 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 get the money when they could have you know maybe just sold their bright shiny silver ship and bought something shitty or rented you know like rented freight yeah. on on something or whatever yeah th- yeah like that all aspect. of this kind of conversation i feel like yeah um so um i think that the i, I think this is one of those this things that kind of fits into the the, the kind of um uh, the, the kind of like when you look back on something you, you kind of like look for things to poke holes in that you don't otherwise fall through and I also think that things aren't as poorly explained as you think they are right like you know there's there's a lot of kind of a, I think there's a lot of work that the film asks you to do as a viewer yeah um which uh, you know I, I'm not so sure is it, it I'm not going to make a judgment call on that now because because I still haven't settled how I, how I feel about it. But like some something I noticed particularly on this reviewing of the episode is that things happen really fucking fast at the beginning of episode of, of episode one, right? Like mm. the the whole like you're basically off Naboo by like minute twenty, I want to say. Like and the amount of the amount of things that happen in that time period is 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 astounding. Um, I was it was just kind of crazy to me. Like 
Um, I think the pod race starts at like at minute 55. And so there's a lot of things that you just need to like shove in there to get you to that point. Um, and yeah, I, especially because there's a lot that needs to be paid off at the end of the movie, right? Like you're not going to be able to sell the Gungan robot army fight at the end of the movie unless you set up the Gungan at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Um, and, and I actually kind of agree. Like there's, you know, like this is kind of the, 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 there's a lot of nitpicky bullshit that goes into people talking about these movies, um, and I disagree with, like, the lion's share of it, right? But, like, one of them, to a certain extent, is, like, why do they go to the Gungans? You know, like, they meet Jar Jar Binks, and then they immediately go to the Gungans, even though they're trying to warn the Naboo, right? Like, that doesn't make any sense sort of thing, but it's also kind of, but it's kind of, like, from a plot structure standpoint, you do need to, you know what I mean? Like, you do need to get to the Gungan city, right, in order to set this stuff up for later, um, and from a, uh, and from like kind of a plot point of view, the Gungan are also on Naboo and they also deserve to be warned about the, 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 the robot army. So like, I don't really see like that kind of failing, but I know exactly what you mean, right? Like, because it's, because it's just moving so quickly and going so far, so fast, uh, it feels like a lot of stuff gets kind of lost in the wake. You know, it's really funny mentioning the, the Gungan thing, like, um, Somebody made a point, in the Planet Review, they make the point about how they have to go through the core, which means that they're basically on the other side of the planet. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was there, like, I wonder if they are, like, like, I did the math on how far, like, going through the core of the planet would have to be, like, um, <laughs> to, to, like, make it. It's basically how, like, this it, it, is true on, on any circle, basically how, how far away along the surface of the planet do you have to be in order for going through the center of it to be shorter and the answer is 115 degrees, which is significant, right? Like, if if the Jedi are, you know, at noon, um, then the city, the Naboo city has to be between 4 and 8 o'clock in order for going through the center to be quicker. Um, you know, obviously, discounting things like, well, maybe Overland has mountains or whatever, but just purely from... It's a dumb side point, but it was a, it was a thing that caught me, and I was like, oh, boy, I can do the math, figure this out. Yeah, uh, people also get really shitty about, like, that that whole thing with the fish. I actually really like that whole thing with the it's fish. Always a, because, there's always like, a bigger fish. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just like the, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I think the prequels do really well. And that and that made me have, have a tough time uh, with what Episode Seven brought to the table, because it didn't bring very much, right? But, like, yeah, like, the idea of, like, a planet whose core is kind of porous rock and filled with water... You know, I like geologically that makes no fucking sense. Okay, fine, whatever, right? But I think that's neat, right? Like, I think that's really cool, and it's one of those things that, like, you know, really like blew my mind as a kid. See, um, see, the the thing the thing there is that I, I agree with you that it's it's actually really cool, um, but I <laughs> I I kind I kind of like it's one of those things where like. Because it's not kind of, like, at least given, like, a throwaway line that, like, the core of the planet is is spongy or whatever, like, it could, like, when I, I remember as a kid being, like, so did they just not go through the core? Because that'd be lava, right? Or whatever. And then, like, I remember, oh, really? re- I remember, like, <laughs> reading in the visual dictionary that it's got, like, this spongy core, right? But because it's not, like kind of even, like, acknowledged any... Like, this, this is part of this is part of something in, in science fiction, like, how much you need to tell the audience in order for them to get it, mm. right? Or, like, maybe going through the core meant something different than what I thought it did, but it only, like, made sense to me in, in, in post. I feel like this is a very Star Wars thing, though, right? Like, this is... Like, if I knew what a parsec was, 
and someone was like, oh, I beat the Kester run in seven parsecs, I'd be like, what? Um, and then somebody... That, by go- the way, is a great example of something that we accept about the original Star Wars trilogy. It's like, oh, that's fine, but if that kind of thing was in the prequels, everyone would be like... Well, you know, to be like, that's so, not what a parsec is, right? So, like- I, I, don't, I don't think it's as bad, because, like... I don't think it's as bad because parsec is a technical term. There's a lot of stuff in the prequels that you can kind of get to on pure logic. Again, this is like the this is like the why didn't they just shoot the fucking escape pod thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which like you know you can I think excuse technical errors a little bit easier than you can pure logic kind of errors. But kind of wind this all the way back to the pod race. Like I don't think that the logic error is actually there as much as some people want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it's just kind of, like, I think you could, like, easily make an excuse in your mind as to why things had to go this way, right? Like, you know, th- like, y- you could you could say, like, Wado makes a comment about how, like, replacing the hyperdrive, you might as well buy a new ship. So, you know, maybe buying a new ship wasn't actually an option, right? Like, maybe, like if they have yeah. no money, and, you know, uh, the, the Plinker reviews make, a, make kind of a, uh, a point of, like, well, why did they just trade out their galactic credits for real money? at, you know, some place that would be interested in galactic credits, like, at a larger business. Well, that, that's making a lot of assumptions about, yep. uh, about like, you know, the, like, the, the ability for somebody to be able to do that, and, you know. Yeah, you know, there's also this part where he says, like, you know, Watto says that he's the only person in town with that part, right? And then Mr. Plinkett's like, well, he just fell for, like, the, the you know, the most obvious salesman trick in the book. Right. It's kind of like, like, th- you're, this is, like, bad faith, right? You are specifically doubting the terms of the movie in order to find flaws in it, right? Because, like, it's not like the movie presents any evidence that Watto is wrong, and it is, like, it is an authority on itself, so you kind of have to take it at that. You know, like, that's a, you know, there's a term for this uh, called logos, right, which is kind of... um, Oh, have I talked about this on the podcast? I talked about this recently, right? Logos is like moments that you insert into a movie, like little lines of dialogue, little moments, just to kind of explain away would-be plot holes. And that's one of them, right? You know, like this is a moment where Watto goes, I'm the only person that you can use in order to get this part. And it answers the plot hole of why don't they shop around, right? Because Watto's the only person that has it. And that's why he is the focus. And that's why they have to go through this whole thing with the pod race sort of thing. Um, and I think that those kinds of things aren't really respected because, uh, you know, of that principle that you were talking about where, like, people don't like the movie, they don't want to like the movie, and therefore they get on its case kind of uh, in this way. Yeah, I, I also think that, like, there, there's even a level there, like, they cut away from them. They could have gone and looked other places, right? But, like, yeah. you don't want to show that on screen. Yeah, like, definitely. It's like, like how, how many times do they have to be like, nope, there's no other engine to be like, oh, I guess Wano was right, right? Like, like and, and maybe you could have done it beforehand to kind of emphasize the point, but, like, Again, like th- this isn't necessarily an excuse because I think it's, I think it is part of like what makes the movie not great. Um, is they're trying to do a lot very fast, and there's yeah. not and, and there's there's a lot to fit in. Um, and there are very real plot holes in here that I think suck. Right, like for instance, I think it really sucks that they don't answer in some form why uh, they couldn't like come back later and get Anakin's mother. Like I understand from like a structural point of view why that has to be the case, right? Like he has to be separated from his mother in order for that to kind right. of be like the rift that tur- that like, you know, the wound that festers him and rots him into being a, a Sith at the at the end of it, right? Um, but like they don't they don't plug that hole and ever right nobody ever kind of explains why you yeah you you think you think it's kind of like the galaxy's police force the Jedi could get like dispensation to buy a slave right 
Um, and, uh, or and, also know, with the explicit would, purpose of freeing that slave. Right, or also that they would, you know, disregard Watto's ownership and say, this is, you know, morally wrong and I'm going to help this slave escape. Well, I, so they do They do explain that one, right? There's, there's, a bomb oh, in all, there's a bomb in all their heads. Oh, shit, they explain that? Yeah, they, they, they say it They say it in the... Um, uh, Plinkett actually brings it up as, 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 like, a thing that's kind of dark for, like, you know, a lot of things that are explained away as just being a kid's movie or whatever. But, like, um, Anakin straight up says that, that we have trackers in us, oh, and if we escape, we, you go boom. You're right. I, oh, my God, I kind of never put two and two together about that. You're right. But, <laughs> but like, I, yeah. I, I think your overall point still stands, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, if, if I'm the galaxy's police force, and, like, one of, one of, you know, my my trainees is basically what one it's a source of known conflict for him, which is the reason why they don't want him to deal with it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they don't want to train him in the first place Two, slavery is illegal in the Republic and granted the Tatooine, the Republic, you know, as, as Shmi says that there is no Republic out here or whatever. Like you, you think like getting the funds to purchase a slave for the explicit purpose of freeing her would, would not be like a, a, a huge thing. And you'd also think it'd be like a priority for Anakin. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he goes the next, you know, like eight years, 10 years, whatever. 10 years. Yeah. Uh, without, without ever going back. Um, and to a certain extent, I actually kind of want this to be a more, like more aggressive point for the Jedi. Yeah. Like you, like, you could I very like easily the- be like the Je- the Jedi are such strict, you know, Rules people like like yeah. basically winning winning Anakin in the first place was a piece was a thing that Qui Gon shouldn't have done. We're definitely not like you know interfering at at this point, right? Like you yeah you're right. Yeah. You could absolutely sell that. Um, yeah. By the way, I mean this is this insofar as I think Qui Gon is characterized in the movie as a maverick. I think it's this stuff, right? People actually bring this up. Like it gets brought up in the Plinkett review as this negative point. Like oh I can't believe Qui Gon is so willing to you know like be a douchebag and cheat at this game, but it's like no. This is part of who he is, right? Like, he is kind of the, uh, like, he, he's willing to break the rules to do what he thinks is right. That's part of his character sort yeah. of thing. And I don't think that that's properly established, right? Because we don't really set up the... I think Obi-Wan is supposed to be, like, the, the, the other end of this, the kind of by the book. Um, yeah, especially uh, in episode one. But they leave him on the ship. Like, this is the other thing. Yeah. This is the other thing that really sucks about this whole bit in Tatooine is that they bring Jar Jar, but they don't bring Obi Wan or Tanaka. And like Obi Wan, yeah. And so like Obi Wan being there to actually push back and kind of say like, "Holy shit, Master, why are you cheating at this game? Right? Why are we endangering this kid? Right? By putting him in a pod race and betting all, you know, like oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions that uh, that Obi or sorry that Qui Gon is making because he trusts his instincts, right? He trusts the living force, right? Um, and he believes uh, that that they're going to work out. And by the way, he's right about these things. Yeah. Right? Um, but like we never get any pushback on that, so we never actually get to kind of see the, um, you know, like see the those decisions contextualized properly. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I all, but I. I think you can make a strong case for leaving Obi-Wan on the ship, right? Like, you want a Jedi at a mission-critical point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's okay. That's fair. Um, but, bring, like, the, the, the counterpoint of bringing Jar Jar along. First of all, he's just kind of a menace, right? He always is. Second yep. of all, like, you know, at a, at a very ba- like, this is going to sound, even at a very basic level, he's an amphibious creature on a desert planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't even think about that. That's true. That's like, very right, true. Like, like, I'm sure he's not having a great time. Yeah. Um, you know, fucking Anakin doesn't like sand. I, I imagine a frog doesn't either. Um, <laughs> um, 
And you know that, that, that that's that's the thing that's like, that all of it is very nitpicky, but sure. but it's also it, it's a thing that when you're like, well, why did they bring Jar Jar? You're like, yeah, really, why did they bring Jar Jar? You know, it's 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 not good. Um, you know, you know what I have to say actually. Um, uh, also, is that I think the pod race itself is actually like cool. Um, and I, I think agree. that getting there to the pod race and having the pod race be like the defining moment of tension kind of, of whether or not they can get off this planet appropriately and kind of Qui-Gon and like Qui-Gon's bet pays off. Right. I think that there, there is suspense to that sort of thing. Like, yeah, we all know that it's all going to work out in the end sort of thing. But like, that's kind of true of every movie, right? Like, yeah, we all know that fucking Superman is going to punch Lex Luthor or what, or, you know, like whatever yeah. it is sort of thing. Right. Like, um, I think I think it's good at getting kind of that that tension and suspense in there, uh, and I actually really like the pod the pod race sequence a lot, right? Like I think that there's a lot of character. I think that it's filmed really well, um, and you really get a good sense of uh, uh, of kind of uh, I don't know, like being in the moment and the mechanics of the race making a lot of sense, right? Like I kind of love what, like that it's a three lap race and you get that very quickly. Um, and you see Sebulba take off and Anakin has to make up, you know, like make up all this time and space. And some of that is him, you know, thinking on his feet. Right. And, you know, like um, uh, doing doing cool, neat things with his pod racer in order to get there. Right. Like, I think all of that stuff works really well. And I'm glad that, the, you know, I'm glad that it is included. But I do I do think uh, that it gets a little bit convoluted getting into and out of that that whole bit. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I think kind of the point that we're like, you know, clearly they wanted to do put the pod race in and they kind of wrote to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that holds some water. Um, I don't think, I, I don't think it's as bad a, a thing as people say. Like, I, like, but I do, I, I do think it, it, there is some convolution there. I, I like overall for this kind of, for the whole like prequel arc, a lot of people complain about how convoluted the emperor's plot is. But I actually don't think it's that convoluted. That you, I have to say, that is something that always surprises me about the the first episode because it is easy for me to think that because I also kind of have a tough time. Like if I were to sit here and explain what it was, I would have to think about it a lot. But they actually do a remarkably good job of setting it up in uh, in episode one, right? Like the quote unquote boring Senate stuff where they kind of sit down and have that that conversation. That conversation is so loaded with information that it's crucial to understanding Palpatine, you know what I mean? Like the Chancellor Valorum, it, you know, has these uh, allegations of corruption. And so he's out of control and they need to get a new election. Go- you know, like all of that stuff is actually like really well handled. I feel like that's, a, this is one of the places where I think people are just flat out wrong, right? They look at some of the stuff and they say, oh, well, the plot is weirdly convoluted about this pod race. Obviously it must be weirdly convoluted about Palpatine's plan. No, like it's actually pretty good at explaining itself. I feel like when they get to Coruscant after Tatooine, um, and sit down and have him break it break it down for them. Yeah, I, I, people also make kind of like like the the mistake of assuming that like every aspect of this plan was thought out from moment zero. Yeah, it's yeah like, definitely. Like they're like, well, they relied on the specific series. But like, no, you could like you know, Palpatine just needs a destabilizing force. Like like, like the, the one that's leveled against this movie is that like you know, in order for Palpatine's plan to really work, um, you know the like. This kind of like the Jedi have to escape, and this this kind of to pressure this vote of no 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 confidence in in the Senate. But I don't actually think that's true, right? Like the the whole theme here is that basically the the Republic's so bogged down in demo- in bureaucracy um, that 
that you know basically a, a large trade conglomerate can go and basically bully the shit out of whoever they want, right? Like, yeah, you know, like capitalism is... unrestrained, yeah. and and uh, basically whether or not they succeed at getting Amidala to sign the treaty is kind of immaterial, right? Like it's mm. material to the people of Naboo, which is why we care. But like if they force her to sign the treaty, she can then go to the Senate and be like, they bullied me into doing this and create the same kind of crisis of faith in the chancellor. Yeah. That... He actually sets up several of these because also in the beginning, when he says to kill the Jedi, if the fucking trade Federation murders the two the Je Jedi diplomats that you sent to negotiate peace, obviously that also creates this crisis, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, uh, I, I, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%, dude. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think part of that is expecting kind of, like, expecting us to fill in some of the details. Um, and there's also, that's, like, a more mature plot line, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, you know, as, as much as I don't agree that Star Wars is, is necessarily a movie for kids, it is kind of like a movie with kids as one of the target audiences, and that's a lot to ask of a child. I think they get away with it because children are just like, yay, lasers, like, whatever. Oh, see, you right? know, I, to be honest with you, I think they get away with it because children accept things on, like, yeah, on face, on, on face Th value. Th That's you know, what like, I mean. We yeah. do the exact same thing. I mean, like, uh, the exact same thing is true when it comes to Episode Four and the Empire and the Rebellion, right? Why is the Rebellion rebelling, right? Why is the Empire... The, who? You know what I mean? Like, these things are just true right it's very easy for a kid to say well why is the you know like what who, who who are the bad guys well the trade federation you know the opening crawl tells you the trade federation are the bad guys right you don't really need to justify it anymore to a kid yeah he gets it yeah, i mean you, you, you even doubts. justify it less right like who's yeah. the bad guys the trade federation why they're all gray and have like the <laughs> The bad looking they stuff. Yeah, they try and kill. They try and kill the Jedi who are yeah, nice guys. Right, right. right. It's so it's so easy. I, I feel like to get that kind of thing across. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think all that stuff is great. And by the way, I love Ian McDermott. I think Ian McDermott is the uh, the best thing about the prequels. Right. Like I love him and I love the Emperor and he's so good at this like smarmy, you know. Uh, lawful evil manipulate the system to get power villain I just think he's I think he's fantastic um, do you think that there's somebody do you think there's a better actor in the prequels oh hmm um actor yeah yeah I'm, mm -hmm. I'm specifically saying like, no no I, a, I, like from a yeah, performance standpoint yeah yeah no like cause like I, 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 I might be convinced that, like, like uh, assuming we, 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 we count out Liam Neeson because he's only in the, the first. Uh, so, actually, um, before I forget, this, this, is a, this is a tangent, but um, when in episode two, when I watched these with subtitles, um, just I, because I was watching it at, like, kind of an accelerated speed, I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when Anakin kills the... Um, it kills the the sand people, um, and like and Yoda's sitting there and like concentrating on like on like you know he feels a disturbance in the Force. Um, there's some somebody like there's a voice that says Anakin Anakin no, and the subtitles say that that's Qui Gon's voice. That's Liam Neeson saying it. Oh, what? So that's that's like that's like yeah that's like, that's like a foreshadowing what? of the Force Ghost thing. That's and so it's, cool. It's so cool. And they don't bring any fucking attention to it, right? Like, uh, I've missed that for, like, 
You know, I found oh. that out today. <laughs> right? Like, that's awesome. Um, that is awesome. I man, that is so cool. Yeah, I mean, my my, my big belief about the about the prequels, like the the tragedy of the prequels, is that Qui Gon dies, um, because I think if Qui Gon had the opportunity to train yeah. Anakin, um, uh, that it would have worked out, right? Like, you know, part of part of the tragedy is like, you know, is kind of like the Greek tragedy fall of a great man, sort of like Anakin has is plagued by these flaws, um, and is ultimately like overcome by them. But it's also a bit about Obi Wan too, because Obi Wan uh, is not, uh, you know. This I'm gonna put a pin in this. Remind me to come back to this when when we get to Revenge of the Sith because it's really great what they how they how they do this in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, no, I I think we need to put a pin in it because you know, obviously the greatest tragedy of the prequels is the tragedy of Dark Plagueis the Wise. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, hey man, it is like this all revolves around that moment. Uh, But anyway, so. but yeah, I, I do think Ewan McGregor also does a really good job. He's yeah. probably number two uh, as far as I'm concerned. I also do love Liam Neeson. Uh, I'm sorry. Liam, well, I do love Liam Neeson. Qui-Gon is my favorite Jedi. And um, uh, and uh, Qui-Gon is the reason that I like, always got so into, you know, like I got so into the Phantom Menace. And I loved the Phantom Menace so much because he was my favorite character. Um, and that kind of translated to the Phantom Menace being my favorite movie because he was in it. Um, but, uh, that is, that has since changed, I guess. Um, yeah. but anyway, so, uh, we, we have 10 minutes left, so I want to, I want to hit on the big, the granddaddy of them all, midichlorians. Right? Oh, God. How much does midichlorians kill this movie for you? So, I don't think it kills the movie, but it kills all of Star Wars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um and like, and, and you know, that, that's obviously an exaggeration, but like, mm. I do think that, like, probably the greatest single sin of this movie is the demystification of the Force, right? Like, Star Wars is solidly science fantasy. It's not hard science fiction. Um, And the Force is supposed to be this kind of very spiritual element. And and, and kind of, like, the, the kind of, like, when you have, like, what is essentially more midichlorians equals more Force is, is, is like, a... And they do a lot to walk it back, and it's not as hard as people make it out to be. But it's definitely that's definitely what it tries to do. It's like reduce the force down like to scientific terms, and that's 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 a huge sin. You know what's actually funny is I don't I don't I don't agree with that, but uh, I I do agree with you to a certain extent um, in the sense that like I I, I understand and I I feel like midichlorians really does get rid of some of the cool mysticism and spirituality that surround the Jedi and the Force. Um, but I actually think midichlorians are just there to give them a vehicle with which to talk about power level. Oh, yeah. No, no, I absolutely yeah. agree with you. The intention yeah, is supposedly like, be like, we need to prove that Anakin has, like, more force than the Yoda. And yeah. we, we need, like, a number for that. Like, like, I don't think it's about explaining the force. You know, like, people people have talked about it in, a, in this way a little bit, um, where it's kind of like, oh, well, they want it to be more science fiction, and so they have to introduce the science behind the force. And I don't think it's that way at all, right? Like, I don't think that this got introduced as anything more than just, like, a bit of logos to explain why the you know, like how they know and why they know Anakin is the chosen one and he's so incredibly like force sensitive and all of that stuff. No, right? I, I agree and with so you. It's like uh, this tiny like throwaway detail that ends up being a giant stick of dynamite to kind of one of these pillars of Star Wars. Yeah, and, and like you know, I don't think they did it on purpose, but it mm. definitely it definitely did that, right? Like it's 
it's it, it's just like it's 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 too hard right like it's they, they needed to kind of like i don't know they, they need a different way to do it and it also kind of opens up other things right like 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 the like it's it's it bothers me. it both like like I agree I definitely agree with you that they didn't intend for this to do that but it mm-hmm. did and and it bothers me in that way yeah definitely um, I, I feel that and, and, I also know, think that there are very easy small fixes like people talk about how midichlorians are just kind of like a byproduct you know what I mean that like it's just something that's like correlated but not causing yeah they're, they're indicators right like they, yeah, they, that's that's not really supported by what the movies say which sucks right but I also understand how people want to fix it with that and and I think that, and that's something that comes out a little bit more in the expanded universe and I think is kind of the right tack to take right like the force is the force but we can you we it just so happens that we can use midichlorians to, to as like a proxy understand. right yeah yeah I, I I think that's kind of what they were like if you listen to what he actually says, I think that's kind of what he's going for, but it's, mm-hmm. it's vague enough that like it is equally valid to be like the midi chlorians get once you, you know, pump you full of midi chlorians. Um, I will also point out the thing I love to point out about, um, the expanded universe, at least the old one is there was a thing called mega chlorians. Um, oh my God. <laughs> um <laughs> oh, I love just, stuff like that. Yeah. Just how stupid <laughs> that is. You know, like I, I like, you know, People, people, like, like, the expanded universe has a lot of stupid in it, and so it wasn't necessarily a bad thing that it got thrown out. But the new expanded universe, they wasted no time in also putting some stupid in there. Um, with yeah, your... and I, you know, and I have to say that I think riffs like that are actually kind of, uh, like, fundamentally the best part about expanded universe. Like, the, the best example I have for this is actually from comics, um, which is, like, the Green Lanterns, right? The coolest bit of Green Lantern lore that ever got introduced is all of the different colored lanterns from, the, you know, like, the Red Lanterns and its anger and the Yellow Lanterns and its fear and the Orange Lantern and its greed, right? Like, all of that stuff, it, which is kind of dumb in a, in a sense, right? Right. Um, all of that stuff is the stuff that makes it cool, and I and in a lot of ways I think that's true of the uh, of the expanded universe. Um, and so somebody riffing on it will be like, well, if there's if there's midichlorians, why can't there be megachlorians, right? Or like, right. if there's clones, why can't the emperor clone himself, right? Like, yeah, stuff like that, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about? Um, the, 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 the kind of quad part tight end, uh, at all is, is you have, yes. Yeah. I do want to, I do want to hit on this. Cause I also think this is something that people miss. Uh, one of the things that the, that the Plinkett review does right in the beginning is talk about how the movie doesn't have a protagonist, right? You know, this is also where he talks about how like the characters aren't well-defined, which they aren't, but that's kind of a separate thing. Um, he, tra- he compares this movie to, um, you know, Terminator, right. And unlike a lot of these other kind of popular movies, right. He compares it to stuff like Terminator, right, or like, uh, 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 what's it called, uh, the the Marty McFly? Why can't it? Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Back to the Future, Future, right? All of these kind of like easy, you know, like nerd culture targets for it. Um, but I think the the fundamental problem here, this is something that got, that got pointed out by H Bomber Guy, who is someone who also loves the prequels, and for kind of dumb reasons. Um, uh, but, like, one of the things that he says about that, that Red Letter Media review is essentially that Red Letter Media goes into it and they say that um, 
you know, this isn't the only way that you can structure your movie, but unless you're like one of these kind of fucking le- film le- film legends, you know, like yeah, auteurs. Yeah, right. Like that you shouldn't. But I just think he's that, like this point is entirely unfounded and wrong. And anyone who kind of agrees with it um, isn't quite thinking through. And this includes me, by the way. Like I also really loved these Plinket reviews in college. I, I also kind of. I, I also think there's there's also a level of the Plinket reviews that are meant to be played mostly for like that whole segment of him just listing off auteurs is, I think, more of like a jab at George Lucas than a serious point. Sure. Um, I like mean, the reviews are yeah. entertainment uh, in their own right, right? Like, Definitely, yeah. Like, the part where he locks women in his basement is not supposed to be a valid criticism of The Phantom Menace. Right. Um, um, I, I, and, you know, something else that I think is awful that the Plinket... The, probably the thing that tanks the Plinket reviews the most, in my eyes at this point, is the villainization of George Lucas that they do. Um, which really just sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I like George Lucas a lot. I think he's a really smart guy. He's the reason that we have any of this kind of stuff, right? Um, I think the the, the, tr- the most true treatise to why George Lucas is a good auteur is because he did it twice, essentially, right? Like, the first Star Wars kind of ignited, um, you know, like, the childhood of all of these kids, right? Uh, but then the prequel trilogy, you know, like, it really found a home with people, you know, like, with us, um, uh, with people who are younger than us, especially, who didn't walk into it with the same kind of baggage, and they really love Star Wars anyway, you know, and I really love that about these movies kind of more than anything else, right? Um, the fact that they got a six-season, you know, Clone Wars movie that everybody, you know, like, uh, that everybody thinks is great, got, like, you know, crazy ratings. Everybody loves, um, you know, uh, the the kind of uh, the Clone Wars period with Anakin and following Anakin on his on his adventures, right? Like, I is, think that is, can, this... is that movie canon? I don't know that that movie's still canon. Because it's, uh, but, it's, it's, it's the non-canon Clone Wars, right? Uh, yeah, the non-canon Clone Wars, which is the Jendi Tartofsky Clone Wars, which is, by the way, the very best thing of Star Wars that's ever been produced ever, um, which we can talk about later. Um, uh, I mean the, the animated show, right, that follows Anakin, and Anakin gets Ahsoka, his apprentice, or whatever, right? Like, these things are incredibly popular. Kids love it, right? They love Star Wars, and this is stuff, you know, like, I, to me, this is this is why George Lucas gets to sit up there with one of the greats, right? You know, like, he's not a flesh in the pan. He did it twice. He did it for, you know, he did it for uh, uh, Generation X when they were kids in the 80s, and he did it for, you know, millennials, um in the you know inside of the inside of the 2000s and those two groups are kind of disparate right because generation x and millennials don't have the same kind of priorities and they're more and you know like and that's why one of them responded really well to the prequels and the other one didn't sort of thing but um, but anyway um, i'm sorry i missed no I, I i actually i actually kind of want to um hop on that too just because like you know I, I i think kind of like blaming george for the prequels is, is kind of is kind of a meme um yeah um and it was really funny to me because they basically, like, in the Plinket reviews, they basically accused George Lucas of being, like, a soulless businessman who just wants to make money. And, oh, like... I hate this so much. Dude. And, you know, right, like, I think you could have maybe convinced me of that back in, like, 2010. But, like, the contrasting that to fucking Disney now, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, dude, like, I know. Like, oh. jo- like, George Lucas looks like fucking Wes Anderson, um, in comparison to, to fucking genericism. You know what uh, I want to, you know what I want to get on, uh, uh, well, I w- I'll talk about this a little bit later. I really want to finish this point about, um, uh, the, uh, the, the main characters. So, what I think Star Wars The Phantom Menace wants to do, 
um, is not be compared to stuff like Back to the Future and Terminator, which do have really solid, you know, individual protagonists, right, against individual antagonists kind of thing. Um, but compared to something like Lord of the Rings, right, or Seven Samurai, or really, you know, Ghostbusters, any ensemble movie, right? Who's the main character in Ghostbusters, right? Oh, is Frodo more of a main character than Eric? No, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Natalie Port, you know, like, okay, the characters are not super great in, in The Phantom Menace, but there are character arcs for Amidala and Anakin and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, right? You know, like, all of these guys are protagonists uh, in an ensemble story. And because Red Letter Media essentially defined the rules as if you don't have a singular protagonist, your movie is bad, right? They kind of use that in order to back up this point of the movie is bad, which to me is, like, really horrendous overreaching, right? And the quad endings, to me, all very, like, solidly fall in line with these different character arcs, right? You have Obi-Wan on Qui-Gon versus Darth Maul, right? You have Anakin going out. Um, this is pod racing, you know, like, that whole thing, right? You have Amidala, uh, uh, and then you have Jar Jar Binks, uh, like, fighting fighting the battle and they also very clearly set this up right where they say these are the things we need to do right we need to send send somebody you know like we need to send our starships into space to destroy the thing we need to distract the droid army with the gungans and we need to go get you know the vice you know like queen abidala needs to go get the viceroy and then you know hair in the hair in the plan darth maul shows up right okay the jedi are going to split off and they're going to take care of darth maul i think all of that stuff is really well set up and the whole back half of this movie does a good job of justifying itself and its kind of um uh, like parallel endings i don't i don't know that stuff never i never had a hard time tracking this even as a kid now i it's always been it's always been so obvious to me and i feel like it's really strange that that it gets missed yeah no i i, I, I definitely feel that i don't think i really have anything to add to that okay I also think a little bit of it is tough because um, this is part of what's really weird about Star Wars and the prequels in general, which is that the prequels don't share a ton kind of structurally or foundationally with how um, the original trilogy is set up. Like the original trilogy does have a, like a really explicit protagonist and like kind of his supporting, uh, you know, like his supporting trio sort of thing, right? Um, and so this, you know, this set of films starting out with kind of an ensemble and then narrowing it down a little bit to, you know, just Anakin, Padme, um, Obi-Wan, right? Uh, that stuff is, you know, I don't know, like, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't resemble what went on in episodes four, five, and six. And so it's easy to draw comparisons and say, oh, well, it wasn't like this, so it must be bad when it's, no, it's something that's 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 new and that's different, um, but that doesn't make it bad. It's just a different kind of structure. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. Um, hmm. All right, do you have any final thoughts? We're at the, we're at the one hour mark. I yes, guess. there was there was, only, there was there was one thing I, I wanted to kind of this is this is a, a, a dumb joke, but I just wanted to bring it up because like um, as I was watching these movies, like things like lines popped into my head, like like wh when the lines played, I was like that line is really dumb. I just wanted to give a shout out to the droid where the 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 you know Qui Gon walks up to them and says uh, we're we're escorting these people off the planet, and the droid says. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, you're under arrest. Like, like in this very like weirdly sarcastic tone. I'm like, who the fuck wrote that, right? And and that that that's all. I just want to give a shout out to that line of dialogue because it was terrible. 
Um, <laughs> um, but you know, that's that's my final thoughts on the Phantom Menace. What, what about you? Have anything you wanted to close out with? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think this movie is better than people give it credit for. It's about an average movie. Um, it sucks because it didn't meet people's expectations, but I'm glad that a whole generation of kids got over that shit and fucking love Star Wars anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to Revenge or uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Oh, Attack of the Clones. This is the part that sucks. Especially because, you know, like when I really want to go to bat for Revenge of the Sith and the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones gets like lumped Garbage. in there. Yeah. Oh, and I hate it so bad. I hate it so much, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have, I have heard someone suggest, I forget where I heard this, but basically that like Qui-Gon's plotline is actually pretty compelling. And like, if you cut out the 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 kind of like dumb love scenes, you've actually got like a thing you can work with pretty well. So okay, so yeah, I mean, a bit of behind the scenes trivia about this is that a lot of um, uh, a lot of revenge or I'm sorry, a lot of Attack of the Clones got rewritten based on kind of negative criticism of the Phantom Menace, uh, right? So for instance, Jango Fett was only added because. Um, George Lucas was like, well, the fucking fanboys love Boba Fett for some reason, so might as well sort of thing, right? And I think that that is kind of the snowball, right? Like, I think the reason that, that um, I think there's two big reasons that Attack of the Clones sucks. One of them is that the love stuff has no chemistry, right? And it's just awful. It's just so bad. Yeah. And it's just so awful, right? Um, and, uh, and the second one is that a lot of things kind of got mixed around by trying to solve problems that were perceived in the first film but that weren't kind of real um and that led to obi-wan's uh whole like line of stuff being kind of weird and convoluted and not as great i think i think it's pretty good you know um compared to like the real drag on this will always be the the lack of chemistry between hayden christensen and natalie portman right um but yeah, I don't know, man. Like uh, even Obi Wan stuff is just like incredibly weirdly convoluted and not well explained, right? Like, like if 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 we were to compare the way that Palpatine's plan gets explained in the first movie to the way that Obi Wan figures out the clone army and none of them ask like any questions about it or you know like anything at all, right? Like how did a Jedi from ten years ago who's dead? order this clone army why do they not ask that question why does it not even yeah. get a, a kind of an, an answer right like the mystery is very compelling and i and i love all of this stuff uh when it when it comes down to this uh uh but i don't know it's just it's rough it's rough man <laughs> yeah um i also want to point out that kind of like i think kind of the this is kind of like a sin for all the prequels um but like we never get to see anakin actually being a good dude right like like he's he's a shitty kid in episode one, but that's fine because he's a shit because he is a shitty kid, right? Like people could criticize the child actor or whatever, but he's he's fucking fine, right? He's just being a shitty kid. That's what you expect out of children is to be shitty kids. Um, but he kind of is immediately a dick in episode two, and we never see him being actually a noble guy, right? Like he goes. Oh, that's interesting. Right, like, um. And the plate reviews bring this up that, like, they kind of, like, say it and don't show it. But I think that, like, the fact that they never show him being, like, a like a great dude is a pro is a real problem of the prequels. Um, like, 
I guess kind of it, it kind of gets away with it because we all know that the fall's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have liked more kind of, of of him like doing the right. Like I would have liked it if his fall didn't really start until episode three, and it very clearly starts like like his his arrogance is 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 super super clear and on point, right? Like arguing with Qui Gon about how they're supposed to deal with Amidala is is just kind of like what why why, right? Like like. You know, so I have to say that I think if there's any part that's very good about Attack of the Clones, it is the opening. I actually like the opening about it a lot, right? Because it showcases um, Obi-Wan and Anakin, even though they do kind of have these opposing personalities. um, It showcases how, despite that, they actually work together really well, right? Um, And they are able to catch, you know, like, the assassin, right? And I also think that, like, they, that their friendship comes across pretty genuinely, right? Right. Even though, you know, they have, they have kind of opposed, like, Anakin is kind of brash and bold, right? Obi-Wan does the same, does the same thing, you know what I mean? He jumps out the window to follow the drone and he trusts that Anakin's going to be there and back him up, which he does, right? And then Anakin jumps off of the, jumps off of the car. And I really like that. I think all of that stuff actually works it works really well and is the and is like probably like the i'm i'm hesitant saying it's the only good thing because i also think there's a lot of stuff at the ending that works in in attack of the clones but this is pretty much where attack of the clones is is at its best right where the two of them are working together and even though they're kind of disagreeing and they have these like playful jabs or whatever it's clear that they're effective as a team and as a duo right um but then, uh, but then they split them up, and I think that's the big. Uh, I, and then they split them up to do this fucking. And it sucks because I, I understand, man, that like that love stuff has to come into it, um, and you can't do that with Obi Wan there, obviously. Uh, and you also have to kind of explain all of this clone stuff. Ah, God, <laughs> this would be so frustrating. Yeah, no, it's it's. Ah. <laughs> uh... I don't know, for whatever reason, while you're, like, talking about this chasing, the thing that pops into my mind is, you know, Elon Sleaze Bagano, the the character that was so dumb that they had to, like, retcon his name in the Expanded Universe. Elon um, Sleaze Bagano being the guy who wants to sell Obi-Wan death sticks that he tells to go home and rethink his life. Oh, uh, I love the death sticks part. Do you not like the death sticks part? I don't not like the death sticks part. I hate the fact that his name is Elon Sleaze Bagano. No, that's his name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. That's wow. They like retconned that. Come uh, on, that's hilarious. like if if you if you if you read like his his Wikipedia page, it's somewhere. It's like his name was not his name was something else, and then he changed it to Elon Sleaze Bagano, which of course also makes zero sense because who the fuck would rename? Or maybe he got it as a nickname or something. But who the fuck, right? Like. I think he's, like, credited as Elon Sleazeback. It, it, it's just one of those things where, like, I heard it and I was like, really? Like, I can get, like, you know, certain things that, like, sound right, like Darth Sidious or whatever, but Sleazebagno is just, a, it's just like, a little too much for me. Okay, fair uh, Yeah, um, sure. I, I love the Death Sticks part. Uh, so, okay, there is a much, uh, much maligned uh, moment kind of in, like, the backstage, you know, like, the backstage scenes or whatever that they that they show with with george where he says it's like poetry it rhymes right uh people make fun of this endlessly they just they god man they they make fun of this um and i do think that there is uh like there is a bad version of that which is essentially 
episode seven, right? Um, what I love about uh, what I love about that framing in the context of the prequels is that there is a lot of stuff that quote unquote rhymes about the prequels, but isn't like a copy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like a rhyme. It, it's not a rhyme if I rhyme fire with fire, right? right. It's a rhyme if I rhyme fire with higher right and so the idea that they bring um you know that they they go back to tatooine right which is where anakin is from but the whole context of tatooine is is incredibly different right it's all about starships and pod racing or whatever right like that's rhyming that i can get behind um and even this dustic scene right like obi-wan goes into a cantina and ends up cutting someone's arm off right that's actually that's that's cool this is this is more rhyming that i can get behind that i think is really neat that I think is really interesting, right? Um, and there's plenty of stuff, like, visually, right? Like, I love that it still uses the kind of hokey wipes um, and, and, and yeah, kind yeah. of, like, the, the, like those The cuts, Star right? Wars transitions, yes. Yeah, those Star Wars transitions. Like, I understand how, you know, I mean, even in the 70s, by the way, this stuff was hokey. It's not like there's, you know, like, it's not like Raging Bull was cutting with, like, iris wipes or whatever. Um, but, like, but the point was is that movies from the 40s and 50s that Star Wars is a riff on was using those kinds of transitions. And so, yes, that stuff should rhyme. That should carry forward, right? Um, and uh, and so I do and so I do love the death stick scene just from that perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, this, this, this is extending backwards into Phantom Menace a little bit. Um, but I want to ask you two things about characters. Um, okay. Um, just because this is kind of the last opportunity to really talk about him, what do you think of Jar Jar? Uh, I thought Jar Jar was funny when I was a kid, but I don't really care much about him as an adult. Okay. In a weird way, I in a weird way, I think one of the things that sucks about Jar Jar is that of all of the people that he, of all of the people that do get personality, um, and really get a strong character, um. Jar Jar in in the Phantom Menace, Jar Jar is the only one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that sucks because you know what I mean. Like I would have loved if that attention to you know how this person comes off was given to Qui Gon or was given to Obi Wan uh, yeah. or was given to Amidala, right? Because I think that that would that that would just make it much better. Yeah, I I actually love Jar Jar. Um, oh, do you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's what like. I, I, you know, pe- people act like he's like some like he is comic relief, but you know, you know that that that's what the robots have always been. He's kind of in there just for for dumb stuff. But like, I also it also kind of feels bad because like there are a lot of stupid scenes in these movies, or in in the Phantom Menace and in this movie, and um, this is primarily Phantom Menace because that's where he's like a real character. But like, it's not his fault. I guess it's it's, it's gonna sound weird, but like. It's not Jar Jar being a bad character. It's Jar Jar is the fucking, like, dumb character, so he gets put in the stupid situations. Like, it is it is not Jar Jar being a bad character that, like, makes a fucking space camel fart at him. Um, it's, that, that's just kind of like, the, like, it's a bad joke, and that's the character gets applied to, right? Like, See, I, you know, I have to say, I don't even think it's a bad joke. It's just a joke for kids. You know what I mean? Like, it's like... This is a bit, uh, like, this. there's a bit of this kind of problem when it comes to other aspects of the prequels, which, like, suck, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, 
But like, it's like kind of walking into the SpongeBob movie and saying, "Oh, well, these jokes aren't funny." It's just yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You know, it's like, come on, right? Like, they're, they're like they're, they're jokes for kids. Kids laugh at it. Who cares, right? And I feel like that stuff is very forgivable um, in the Phantom Menace. You know, I I definitely feel that. Um, uh, and I I think it's kind of like, I think you could have act like I think you could have done a lot with, um, with with Jar Jar kind of in like the waning moments, just kind of like his. Like, maybe his regret or whatever. Um, and apparently, in, in the new EU, there's, like, a passage where, like, on the streets of Naboo, there's, like, a, a, a Gungan that's, like, juggling that all the adults, like, won't look at. But all the kids are kind of entertained by oh, and yeah, Jar Jar. Yeah. Jar. yeah. I, love, uh, I love that. Like, that's awesome, right? Like, that's great character development for, for fucking yeah, Jar Jar. Yeah, to be honest with you, one of the things that I think works best about Attack of the Clones is Jar Jar voting a Chancellor Palpatine to have the extreme power. Yeah. Right? Like, there's this moment, you know, like, there's just this moment where they're talking about, you know, Palpatine has essentially set Amidala back to Naboo because she is the leader of the opposition of essentially what he wants, right? Um, which is the uh, which is the executive powers to order the army. She knows that as soon as an army is ordered, the Separatists are going to get defensive, right? And they're going to go to war. Um, and... Uh, uh, when when she gets sent back, she's she has the scene with Jar Jar where she's like, "I trust that you'll be able to take care of things in my absence, right?" And then they have a moment where Jar Jar's in a meeting with Palpatine, and Palpatine is kind of like, "We need a strong, bold maneuver." And Palpatine's like, "Little bro," is like, "Oh, if only well, Senator the, Amidala was yeah, here, yeah. you know, she would, you know, she would definitely do this. She wouldn't do this, right?" It, it, yeah. Her 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 stated goal is opposition. She believes that diplomacy works, right? Um. But Jar Jar looks at that and he's like, oh my god, this is, you know, like... like This is my chance for greatness. This is my chance to, like, make a difference. Yeah, exactly, right? right? Like, I'm going to... Uh, just, like, Padme is someone that I admire and someone that I want to be like. And, and the so Chancellor is, like you know, uh, like, Palpatine at this point is still a person that everybody admires, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, like, exactly. He's the right? Queen's trusted confidant. And, like, he, of course he wouldn't lie to me about what she would want, right? Like, you know, like, that's... This, I'm doing the right thing, right? You know, like, him as the Patsy is great. And, and this stuff works really well, too, because, like, they also have moments where, like, he says, I'm going to give up these powers as soon as as soon as soon I need to. And he personally reassures Amidala where he's like, I'm sorry that it came to this, right? And I reluctantly, I had to reluctantly agree to this course of action. And I'm like, this is stuff that's great. You know, like, yeah. the, the politics of all of this, and this is where I think kind of Palpatine's plan really, really is sold. Um, in a lot of ways. But the problem is is that it is like, it's not even like a C story, it's like an F story. Right. Where the A and the B story is incredibly convoluted film noir plot about getting clones that doesn't get properly resolved at all, and a love story with no chemistry, which sucks. Um, which is like, this is, the, which is the death of fucking Attack of the Clones. Right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And, and it's all in this middle stuff, too, because they're constantly going back and forth between Obi-Wan and, um, you know, Obi-Wan and the, uh, uh, and Anakin and Padme. And Anakin and um, Padme don't really do anything. I this know, co- I know, what, I hate like, it like, so much. Like, it, it, it'd be acceptable if, like, like, things were happening, but it's like three scenes of them, like, like, making eyes at each other and being like, no. about nothing. Like, no, I cannot. Why not? Because I am a senator. What? Like, like that's the thing that the play brings up to that's, like, very fucking valid. Is, like, like the fact that Anakin can't do it makes sense. The fact that Padme's like, oh, no, we shouldn't. I'm a senator. That makes no fucking sense at all. Yeah. Like, 
Also, the fact that they set this up with he hasn't seen her in 10 years and he immediately becomes the most creepy guy. Yeah. Oh. And like, not only that, but, yeah. like, it's not even, like, they, like, just kind of, like, hand wave it as, like, Amidala doesn't care because she, like, was horning in on a 10-year-old 10 years ago or whatever. Oh, she, my God. She straight up says, like... I like it makes me uncomfortable when you look at me like that. <laughs> there's a moment where he's like, "Oh God!" There's this moment where he's like, "Amidala turned off the cameras because I don't think she wants me <laughs> looking at her while she's sleeping." <laughs> what? Oh, what are they thinking? It's so bad. Ah, uh, it's so bad. Don't, don't. I have to say that. Don't worry. Um, if you just keep doing it, she'll fall in love with you for no reason. <laughs> We're doing you, you, know, right you know how you fix these these romance problems? You bitch at her about how much you hate sand. I, <laughs> want, I want you to know that I think Star Wars has always had these romance problems. Especially I mean, yes, everyone. Luke fucking kisses, kisses his sister. Luke right. kisses his sister. Han Solo is so rapey to fucking Leia in The Empire Strikes Back, where she tells him no like five times, and then he kisses her anyway. It's like, I don't know if this is just like, it was the 70s or whatever, right? Um, okay, I, I, we're, we're not we're not in the sequels yet, but I, I don't think it's as bad as you say it I is. Definitely, I definitely don't think it's as bad as this stuff, okay? But I do think that it's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but... But we'll get into that, I guess, when we do way, you know, down the line in a, in a month or so, um, the, 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 the original trilogy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this uh, stuff is, this stuff is garbage. I you, you know what women better. love? When you bitch about how much your best friend is mean to you. Like, yeah. like, and whine about it. Like, it's so, he's got such a whiny fucking voice. <laughs> Qui-Gon doesn't trust me. I know, and I hate this too, because I actually, so I actually think Hayden Christensen is a good Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. Right in Revenge of the Sith, he comes across. I think he's very good, and he comes across really well. And if you just look at that movie, right alone, I even think that the chemistry between him and Padme works in that movie, where it doesn't in this one. But the problem is, is that like that movie also kind of relies a bit on this one to set itself up, and this one fails so spectacularly that you can't help but carry over that failure into Revenge of the Sith and not really judge it on its own terms. Yeah, which and, sucks. And, and you know what? This is like this. This is like you know if if Mango could could redo Attack of the Clones, this is like the perfect opportunity to have like him be like you know like you know Obi Wan's my friend and my master, but sometimes I think he doesn't recognize me enough, right? And like kind of like plant that seed of his arrogance without being mm -hmm. like fucking like like bang you over the head with it, and still paint yeah. him as a good person, which they don't do in this movie, right? Like, um. I also think that, by the way, the way this love scene really works out, the, this whole, like, love idea works out, is if Anakin and Padme have had a relationship, right, for the intervening ten years, and somewhere in all of this, Anakin makes a pass at her, and she says, like, the no, we can't, you know, uh, I'm a senator, you're a Jedi, it would never work out, and he respects that, right? Right. If Anakin respects that, and then you go into a little bit of stuff on Naboo, and they're doing some Naboo stuff, but he's, but he's not being weird... Or creepy or anything like that you know he doesn't you know make he, 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 they're just this is them becoming friends and then and like Anakin, the, like the closest like like they have like a passing relationship but the fact that they're in such close proximity sparks this off yeah i agree exactly. with you. and then and then you go to tatooine right and then anakin is really having a tough time right and you know his mom has just died and he's gone crazy about these things and padme and and this is where padme does it comes later in the movie in the gladiatorial arena where she's like oh i have always fucking like loved you this whole time even though you've been so creepy to me right um the if at that moment when anakin is at his most 
pained that she admits, yeah, of course I have feelings for you too. I just feel like we can't act on them because of who we are. And they mutually agree, right, that they don't care, right? Because that, th 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 their relationship is the kind of the solve of the pain that he's feeling, right? Over I think that would have been the right way to do it. And all of the pieces are there to make it work, right? It's just little tweaks, right? Just tiny little things yeah, that I, you yeah, need I to change. I think you could even uh, back it up to Naboo, right? Like, like... You know, you have that scene, like, you, you, you cut out the fucking sand scene, because fuck that scene. But you have the scene <laughs> where, where, they're, where they're, they're sitting in, in the field, right, and, like, he fakes his death, and they, like, roll around for a little bit, and she ends up on top of him, and you just kind of have, like, a wistful glance, and, like, you imply the tension there, and then, like, like you said, I you know, know, right, yeah. Like, when he's oh, at his God. most emotionally vulnerable, like, it kind of, like, you know, and when they think they're going to die, it's like, well, this is it, right, like... Um, yeah, you can even you can even make it hard with Anakin where he's like where you know he kills all of these the you know like he kills all of these Tuscan raiders and he's so angry but also remorseful because he understands that what he did was evil and wrong right which he clearly does in that whole scene right and he just talks about how he feels so alone because he has these feelings and none of the other jedi do and nobody understands him right or whatever get as emo as you want about this stuff because that puts padme in the in the position of where she's like yeah well of, yeah i have feelings for this guy and i want to be there for him right and he's someone i really deeply care about and the only thing that's like keeping him you know what I mean? Like, the the solution to this problem of his is to give him a relationship that he doesn't have, right? Like, all of that would make so much more sense than the way that it, than the way that it breaks out. I just think it's so dumb. I think I hate it so much. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, okay. <laughs> um, the, other, the other thing I wanted to ask you about before we got too, too far away from The Phantom Menace, um, and this, this threads a little bit better through the whole thing, is how do you feel about C-3PO being... Anakin's invention. Oh, um, I don't. So I agree, kind of, with the Plinker review says this, where like it doesn't really make sense for like Shmi to have a have a protocol droid or whatever, um, and all this stuff. But I think that it's neat that they that they brought. You know, I I don't really like to see three PO in the first place. I don't even really like him in the original trilogy all that much. Oof. You know what I mean? Blasphemy. Um, I mean, I like R two D two a lot, right? I love R two D two in the prequels, and I love his kind of origin story, right? As you know, yeah, um, the, the the droid that uh, that got them through like the blockade and everything like that, and then um, and I, you know, like even his kind of slapstick him versus the two battle droids. I love that whole scene, right? Um, that comes later. That comes in the third one, sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't have a I don't have very strong feelings one way or the other about oh, C3PO. So, so I like C3PO. Um I don't think he's like, he's not like my my favorite character or anything. Um that's that spot's reserved for R2D2. But um I think that like I think you could introduce him in a different way. Like I feel like you could have inserted him like uh, I want to say, like, right, like, in this movie as kind of, like, Shmi's robot or something. Or, you know, just, like... See, the thing I actually think you want from C-3PO is to make it Bail Organa's. Yeah, okay, that you know what, that's perfect. That's yeah. perfect, right? Like, that works, too. Just, like, the, 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 the start... The thing I don't like about him being Anakin's droids is this is the start of kind of this weird thing that, that ha it happens to a lot of extended universes where, like, only four people actually really matter, or, you know, like, two families really matter. And you start this incestuous wind-up that, you that like, you know, this is, I see this, like, winding forward, like, uh, I think that, uh, that, um, 
you know, Ray's going to be somebody important. Like some, one of the, he's, she's going to be related to somebody in, in episode eight and it's going gotcha, to kill me. Yeah. Cause like, this is like, this is like, you know, everything has to be interconnected in some way, right? Like they stop short of like, you know, introducing young Han Solo as like a, you know, like a, a baby somewhere, right? Like, you know, uh, I, well, mm, that's tough. Well, I don't know. Um, there's parts of this that I like in the prequels. For instance, I really like Chewbacca. Um, that che the reason that Chewbacca becomes, uh, you know, a smuggler with Han Solo is because, uh, you know, he assists Yoda, right? Um, and well, he, I and mean, all, that, all, like I think that I think that all of that stuff is cool and neat. I, 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 I think know. I think it's neat, but that Chewbacca's experience is like very very slight, right? Like it's not it's not like he's he's in a ton of the movie. Um, or that's yeah, true. Yeah, C three PO and R two D two are in a lot of it. Yeah, and, and like, there's not like a huge, like, it's it's not kind of directly implied that he becomes a smuggler because of of what happens with Yoda. He's just kind of like you know, like he just happened to be there, which is, is separated enough, right? Like, the, oh, really? You don't think so? No. Like the reason the reason he becomes a smuggler is because Han Solo saves his life, and he owes Han Solo a life debt. Uh, yeah, that's true, I guess. I don't know, I, I kind of felt like the movie was kind of, um, uh, was kind of implying, I mean, we all know that, like, really shitty stuff happens to the Wookiees on Kashyyyk. Right. But the reason that stuff happens is because, uh, essentially Chewbacca and, I don't even remember the Tarshigal other guy. Allowed, or whatever his name yeah, is, they, yeah. they allow Yoda to, they allow Yoda to escape, and so the Empire okay. punishes them for that. I, I feel that, I mean? yeah, yeah. I, I, I had not read that before, but, or, like, read it, read that into it before, but that, that, that makes sense. Um, that, you know, yeah. maybe may the reason. But so, yeah, so that's a cool, to me, that's neat, you know, like, I like that sort of continuity thing, but, yeah, I agree with you, C-3PO is a little bit weird, uh, the, the weird thing about C-3PO is C-3PO is literally the robot, um, in, uh, uh, whatever, like, Clive Owen, I can't remember the fucking guy's name, Clegg Clegg Lars. Yeah, Lars. Clegg Lars, Clegg, I'm sorry, Clegg Lars, um, and Owen Lars knows C-3PO and is with C-3PO for ten years. Um, right, C three PO, and even though he gets his mind wiped or whatever, and then like he buys C3PO. Owen doesn't. Yeah, yeah, like, no, I I didn't even realize that. That's that's a great point. Um, like I like I appreciate the mind wipes or whatever. Like I think that's a, a good way to kind of fix these plot holes, though. It it's weird because they only tell you he only tells them to wipe the protocol droids' mind. So hypothetically, R two D two. No, that, 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 that that's on purpose, right? Like oh, that, that's, that? that's 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 like a big th like. Th there's this big theory that R two D two is actually like one of the main agents of the rebellion because he's the only one that has like the complete picture um but like i think it's very intentional that they say to wipe the protocol droid's mind that r2d2 is kind of like the like the implication there's supposed to be i think that r2d2 that kind of knows what's up and is kind of directing things as best he can oh interesting see to me i thought it was because r2d2 can't speak and therefore he couldn't tell anyone but that's also a lie because both anakin and luke can understand r2d2 in his beeps and boops so it's like a kind of why doesn't r2d2 go beep boop beep boop yep i knew your dad he and i were great we fucking destroyed this trade federation I mean, together i, I think stuff is weird i, I think know. that's supposed to be like a, a like you know like r2d2 knows when to keep his mouth shut um and c3po yeah, yeah. doesn't yeah okay uh, that's fair. um i don't know yeah i don't have a huge connection to c3po so i don't really care one way or the other i actually kind of have to say even though i'm shitting on the Django fett inclusion um, that I also like both the, the, I do like the Django Fett inclusion and I like Boba Fett, uh, like one of the best shots of the movie. I mean, I, th I think all of these movies are, are good. I think George Lucas is 
really good visually but like i love that shot where he's silhouetted in the foreground and in the background there's just like all the dead jedi and geonosians and whatever and boba fett puts his head to you know to like puts his head to jango fett's head yeah i love that i think that moment i think that moment is great and all of that stuff is very is very cool it's just i really hate that they kind of had to insert jango fett in order to kind of weirdly like connect this whole thing with the clones like it's all you have to do is have Obi-Wan have some, like, nascent connection to the clone army on Kamino, right? Um, and him go there and have that focus. Like, the fact that they drop this incredibly seedy army that has already been created for the Republic, and nobody even makes mention of how, like, any of this stuff has kind of been prepared for them at all. Um, is very is very crazy. One of the, by the way, kind of, like, apocryphal fan theories... Not, not fan theories, um... Uh, this this is a this is kind of one of those like stories from the production um, that that I've heard but that is kind of unsourced so be, take it with a grain of salt. The idea was um, originally that um, Mace Windu was a traitor, was a bad guy, um, ah. which is why his lightsaber is purple, right? It's blue and red mixed. Right, right, uh, right. Why Mace Windu is so shitty about. Anakin and kind of drives a lot of the like a lot of the Jedi's work like the, when I said before that Mace Windu embodies a lot of the Jedi's worst but like bad things about the Jedi like this is part of that um, and that he and that the connection was um, that he was the one that placed the the like the clone army order. Uh, this also gets expanded a little bit in, in the expanded universe, right? Like the Jedi Master that they talk about was Mace Windu's apprentice, right? Who died. Um, and uh, and he died because Mace Windu uses like lightsaber form seven, seven yeah, yeah, uh, which is the one uh, that is the most influenced by the dark side. It's also the lightsaber form that uh, Darth Maul uses, right? And so all of this stuff is kind of uh, you know like one of the things that Oda, that Yoda keeps saying is that he's having a hard time sensing right um, where things are going, but he only ever says that when Mace Windu is in the room. Um, because Mace Windu is specifically clouding Yoda's ability to do so, right? Like when Yoda's alone, he has he it, it's very easy for him to pick out Anakin's suffering on Tatooine, for instance, right? Um, and so all of this stuff kind of imply, you know, like is theoretically implying that Mace Windu is is a bad guy the whole time, and then that got written out of the script because, and this is like the quote from the theory, or not the theory, the quote from kind of the tale. Um, which is that somebody pointed out that the two most prominent black characters in Star Wars, uh, who are who would be Mace Windu and who would be um, Lando Calrissian, are both traitors. <laughs> and they didn't want to, and they didn't want to like make that connection that black people are traitors. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. they like scrapped this whole story. I don't really believe all of that, but I do think that you know, like we know that Attack of the Clones changed a lot. Um, uh, from its original kind of conception, and I think that all of that stuff kind of tracks uh, to a certain extent. I think, for instance, the, like a more a more palatable version of that same story says that Mace Windu just believed um, uh, more heavily in like the Jedi's role. This comes out a lot in episode uh, in episode three, where he says stuff like, you know, the the Jedi will have to take control of the Senate in order right. to trans in order to transition power. Right? Mace Windu believes this kind of stuff a lot. Um, and so I think it makes sense for him to just kind of be, uh, like, like subtly pushing the Jedi um, in this direction of war because he thinks it's the right thing to do, right? Uh, and he thinks that the Jedi should have a more active role as kind of galactic peacekeepers and, uh, 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 you know, 
directing the you know directing the the republic and i think that stuff all kind of tax um but was probably taken out um you know when when all of this weird Django Fett can oh when all of these Django Fett connections got brought in because Django Fett is now the connection between um cur, like the Coruscant to Camino to Geonosis rather than you know any kind of um uh, rather than any 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 kind of like subterfuge about you know the 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 impending war which is what that whole thing wants to be about it feels like yeah yeah no that, that makes yeah I feel that. Um, that, that's interesting. That, that's yeah, self, right. Doesn't it? Doesn't it really make on. you? Doesn't really make you think? My uncle was really big into Star Wars. I actually knew how Star Wars ended because my uncle was so crazy. Or I'm sorry, the prequels ended because my uncle was so crazy into these like, um, these like rumor mill sites or whatever. And so I remember coming out of Episode One, um, because he took me to my showing of Episode One because he really loved Star Wars. In fact. It, he was the person that showed me all of the original trilogy and I remember not liking it all that much. And I also remember going to the special edition to him with him and I remember not liking it that much um, and, and everything like that. But then when we went to episode one, I was like crazy about it. And he told me when we were coming out of the theater for episode one, uh, he was like, he was like, yeah, like that's Padme and that's going to be Luke's mom. Right. And you know, Anakin and, and Padme are going to get together uh, sort of thing. And then, you know, um, and then he even told me the thing about where Anakin kills Padme by force choking her, um, uh, the day after we got out of episode one, right? Like, um, and I was just like, wow, that's, that's insane. But, but yeah, so he's the one that told me that whole thing about like, about Mace Windu, you know, is supposed to be, you know, like, oh, Mace Windu is going to betray, you know, betray the Jedi, um, yeah, no, that's that's that, that's that's a that's a cool theory at least. Like, or a cool isn't thing. it right? Yeah, right. Yeah, this, this is this is all part of what kills Attack of the Clones for me. Right, the Phantom Menace doesn't you know like the Phantom Menace is kind of a two star movie that doesn't quite like hit the mark or whatever and has plenty of its own problems, but like insofar as the Phantom like the Phantom Menace is bad, that badness actually doesn't really extend out to the other two movies all that much. Um, whereas the badness of Attack of the Clones really drags on Revenge of the Sith, I think. Yeah. Um, and even though I think when you look at Revenge of the Sith kind of without, you know what I mean? Or like you, uh, if you, if you kind of correct for yourself a lot of the problems in Attack of the Clones and you say, oh, well, let's just pretend that Anakin and Padme's relationship was well set up or let's just pretend, right, you know, like kind of any of these other fixes kind of happen. I think in that situation, Revenge of the Sith is very good, right? A movie on its own terms is, is very good. Um, I think Revenge of the Sith is the second best Star Wars movie after Empire Strikes Back. Um, and, uh, but, the th but the problem is it's really tough to do that and it's really tough to separate these two out and to kind of review, uh, like, like look at Revenge of the Sith on its own terms without constantly being dragged down by like the stuff in Attack of the Clones that doesn't work that it's building off of. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I know what you mean, but I also don't think I agree with this statement that Revenge of the Sith. No, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely get that. I definitely, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of my, I don't know. That's like my overall, I guess, thing about Attack of the Clones. That's so frustrating about it being so bad. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, what else? Uh, do you, do you like the whole Jedi thing at the end? You know, like with the Jedis in the, the, the Jedi in the, in the gladiator, gladiator arena and all that stuff. I'm basically kind of.
um, ambivalent about it. I think this is. I, th- I think the the whole clone army coming in. I think this is kind of like one of those things where like the movie wants us to make a couple of assumptions and put things together for ourselves, which is kind of like, well, their hands kind of forced, and they need to bring in this clone army in order to save, um, you know, the senator and, and Anakin and, and Obi Wan, mm-hmm. and be- and the rest of the Jedi, and because they need to do that, they kind of feel pressured to not kind of look a gift horse in the mouth and be like, where the fuck did these people come from or whatever? Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I guess we, I guess the fact that they saved your asses means we kind of have to live with this for now. Yeah, and, and it also, I think this is also part of where the movie fucks up because it doesn't lampshade that, essentially. Yeah, yeah, Lampshade yeah. is kind of the wrong term for it, but it doesn't bring any attention to that, which right. I really think it should, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it talks about it a little bit. Like, I really love the moment where... Uh, Obi-Wan calls it a victory, and Yoda's like, no, are, no, are you kidding? This was not a victory at all. Um, uh, but I do think that they had to have, um, they, they had to have, like, at least had a thing. You know, like, where Obi-Wan says, oh, well, now, I, now I'm going to go figure out uh, where this clone army came from, right? If someone is trying to, you know, is trying to engineer war we're, between we're... the Republic and the Separatists, and Mace Windu goes, like, or, like, Yoda goes, like, there isn't, you know, like, there isn't time Right now, the war has started. We have to fight it, uh, and we can't, you know, we, we can't, can't fight, fight it without this, yeah, army or something, something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I think I think that would have made uh, that would have made things a lot better. It probably would have capped off this. The Obi Wan stuff, I think, is bad because this question is so blatantly unanswered. Mm. Um, and, that's that, uh, that's fair. Um, although I'm a bigger fan of the Obi Wan stuff, I think, than you are. But uh, I will say about this this scene, um, that it does contain my. My stupid dialogue moment, how did this fucking get in here moment, <laughs> which is um, around the survivors, a perimeter create um, because the, you sh- making Yoda say anything vaguely normal just sounds terrible, right? Like the, the weird backward speech works when he's being wise and kind of like, ah, but you see, um, <laughs> but when he's just like, 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 like it's the worst right here with around the survivors, a perimeter create. It's like to the forward command center, fly me like all these normal things are just like stop like just, just like figure out a different way to, to fucking say it or, or like don't have yoda say it right like put Paul coon on the fucking ship with him so we God, can like blurt out something wish you know my favorite detail star wars detail is this is a revenge of the sith detail um Plo coon when the, the ship that he's flying when he dies in the order 66 montage is anakin's ship oh really mm-hmm. you can tell uh so i'll, I'll actually Let's put a pin in this and get back to it later because it's very cool. I love these kinds of details and I think it's so awesome that they that they include yeah. them in the movie. Uh, but yeah, I do. I know exactly what you mean. I think Yoda is very mishandled in this movie. Um, I actually, I my probably, uh, it's it's tough to pick out like my favorite thing to hate in this movie. But I think the lightsaber fight between Yoda and Dooku is basically it. I oh really? really? Fucking hate that. Explain, because um, I, I I think it's neat. I I think it's like the. I don't think know. Yoda should be good with a lightsaber. I really don't like that. I think that's that's. Uh, I think Yoda, uh, the kind of combat Yoda, is really not something I want. Um, I like the idea of the the first part of that is okay, uh, and parts of it that come out in um, like for instance, I love when Emperor Palpatine is hucking the the 
senate pods at yoda right and that part of their fight and yoda is, is using the force to deflect them and then he catches one and then he spins it and sends it back i love that stuff right yoda is an extremely powerful force user and so he fights with the force i think that's very cool um but the kind of like leapy jumpy yeah oh god I, I it just i don't know i really don't like that about his character i i feel like he should not be good with a lightsaber i feel like he should be worse with uh with a lightsaber i also think that the the fight between dooku and anakin and dooku and obi-wan um all of that stuff is is not super great um i just uh i agree I just, yeah i agree it's not great but like I, I don't know i i i think like yoda dropping the old man guys and like showing that he's like he's he's you know still got it and is crazy i think i think that's neat um, but I, th I think that comes down to a matter of personal preference. I don't think yeah, it, like, that definitely is. I think that's a taste thing. Yeah. It, um, and it, it doesn't kind of like, it, it's not like it makes the story bad for it. I don't think like, like I, I don't think it negative. Like, I don't think this like creates a plot hole. Like why didn't no, Yoda definitely. Yeah, definitely not. I, it just, it's just, it's not quite what I think, uh, what you just, want Yoda to be. Yeah. It's just yeah, not quite fair. what I want that character to be. Yeah. That, that's fair. I like it. Yeah. That, I also, by the way, I also really hate that he's the one that goes and gets the clone army. Um, I think that Mace Windu should have done that. Yes. Um, it makes much more sense for Mace Windu to go investigate the clone army and Yoda to be the one to show up to try and save Anakin and Obi-Wan. Um, especially because... Uh, the reason they don't do that, I think, by the way, is kind of a, um, is kind of a, uh, like a logic thing. Because... Yoda at like at the time that they make that plan Yoda doesn't know about Geonosis um uh they um and so he's the one that can track them with the force I think is kind of the implication this movie is bad so it's not really well explained um and so that's how he knows to bring the clone army to Geonosis um but uh, but yeah I think those I think th those roles in kind of that final battle are reversed that it should be Mace Windu who's the one that you know, brings, uh, that brings the Jedi into the war since that's pretty clearly, you know, like the trajectory that his character is on. Right. Um, yeah. And, 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 so, and yeah. then, and then, you know, you can have Mace Windu say create a perimeter around the survivors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. And by the way, I actually like a lot of the clone trooper stuff that goes on, um, in, in them fighting the, uh, you know, I like the first kind of, uh, wave of battle between the clone troopers and, uh, and the droid, droid army, right? Like, I remember, you know, an underpinning to all of this is kind of the trajectory of Star Wars games that were coming out at the time. Like, I was very introduced to Star Wars games by stuff like um, Shadow of the Empire on the N64 and Rogue Squadron on the M64, which is both games I loved. Uh, Rogue Squadron, I actually bought it on Steam, and it is impossible to play because the controls are so janky on a mouse and keyboard. Um but, uh, but over the course of these pre, you know, like of, over the course of these movies, you got a different set of games. Like one of the reasons that I like Plo Koon a lot, um, is because one of the Star Wars games that came out in relation to the Phantom Menace had Plo Koon as a playable character, uh, doing Plo Koon stuff kind of in the background of the, uh, of the movies. Um, and Battlefront 2 comes out, um... And I think it really just, like, capped, you know, Battlefront and Battlefront 2 come out yeah. right around this time. I think Battlefront 2 came out more by Revenge of the Sith, um, obviously. But um, the, the, well, For all you, know, you like, kids out there, this is the original Battlefront, not the new one. Oh, God, yeah, you're right. I forgot that they re-released it. Um, and Battlefront, well, it's not re-released it. It's a, a different version. game. Yeah, and Battlefront 2 game. is coming out very soon. I'm actually excited for the, the Battlefront 2 that's coming out soon because they have reintroduced the Clone Wars era of fighting. Uh, yes. One of the neat things that I played a ton of Battlefront and Battlefront Two, 
Um, uh, I do as well. I played it with uh, my brother a lot. It was a great co-op game. Yeah, well, we played. Uh, I, I played on these kind of like hacked together servers with that would like normally it was supposed to be like four on four and you would have a bunch of bots, um, but people would hack together these like mega servers where you could play like sixteen people versus sixteen people and you had like clans and stuff like that on like um, I think it was like X Split or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I was all about that scene uh, for a while. Um, Anyway, and, uh, and so I think all of that stuff, like, the only reason that that stuff was so interesting and so cool and kind of, uh, like, came down the pike uh, was because Attack of the Clones, uh, like, did it all. Like, a very cool job of showing these, you know, like, of showing these battles. Um, so, um, the attack on Ge so I think the attack on Geonosis kind of works for that, that you know, that sort of, uh, that sort of thing. And I think is another kind of point about attack of the clones that is like cool even if like the rest of the movie yeah uh, falls falls short. so so you want to hear my my my, my quote thing that i think is really cool this is really specific but sure um i i don't know why but i really love the sonic charges that django drops um just kind of oh the seismic charges yeah i yeah. fucking love that part the asteroid field yeah, yeah. that part is so, so awesome so the web the weapon's kind of stupid because it only apparently explodes in like a flat disc and like i get that but like the whole like the visual effects great and like i don't know why but that that, that whole like silence into like wow 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 like that just like oh, oh it's so it's so cool i, I love know it. that is the best that is really the coolest fucking shit dude <laughs> i fucking oh I man it's it's like ah uh, gets me every time yeah that that is very cool there's a lot of actually like very cool singular moments i feel like that i could pick out like i also very much like django fight django's uh fight with obi-wan in the rain um i think that that like the the whole mechanic of like the the description of what that fight looks like from like an action filmmaking perspective is actually very cool um, yeah especially I, like with like the noir elements like yeah, it fits yeah. in with that Oh, God, so cool. Like, you really have no idea who Django Fett is. Yeah. Right? And I think that's a problem, you know, in the sense that, like, it doesn't make a ton of sense um, in a lot of ways. But, like, I it, it is just, it is very cool to have, like, this shootout in the rain uh, and he's trying to get away and, you know, like, the jetpack and everything. I just think all that stuff is neat. Yeah. Um... I also think, I also love the Tusken Raider bit. Uh, I think that's probably the best filmmaking in Attack of the Clones. Which Tusken um, Raider bit? The, the you know like when he uh, really it starts when Anakin. Um, it's a little bit of a montage, but also kind of has the thing where his mom dies in his right. arms, uh, and then he goes and then he goes kind of like berserk. Um, but like it starts with that moment on the speeder, which is just like a fantastic shot. Um, it's actually I what I love saying. about this. This is a, this is one of those moments where Star Wars rhymes, right? Because it's the same shot, and this shot will later come back in Revenge of the Sith. It's it's the same kind of shot that is the best shot in all of Star Wars, which is in Episode Four, which is Luke looking out on the binary sunset. Right. But in that one, Luke's face is very bright, and the you know what I mean, like the shadow, the 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 background is dark and shadowy right. because that's kind of the 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 sunset, and he and his face is bright because he still sees the two suns. Um, but it's the opposite when Anakin is uh, Anakin is in the foreground and he is and he is dark and silhouetted, right? But the background is very lit up um, because the the suns are hitting these mesas and it's all very like red and orange. And I love that. I think that whole thing uh, is very cool. 
Um, and, and, you know, like, it being the first moment where, like, Anakin loses control and gives into, you know, um, his, his dark side and slaughters the Tusken Raiders, including the women and children, is just, like, brutal. Ah, so great. I love that whole moment. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, 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 uh, I think that's fair. Um. Do you think that Attack of the Clones opened well? Like, I, because I, because I definitely think it, well, you know, just with the, uh, just like with the kind of car chase that ends up. Oh, the car chase. Yeah, yeah, like, um, oh, yeah, that, that stuff. Because I, I, I like that stuff a lot. I think that stuff works, and I think a lot of stuff about the ending works. And it's kind of the middle that's just, like, garbage. Um, I think it's okay. I think there's kind of, like. Uh, if my, you know, suspension of disbelief is going to be broken by anything, I think there's a pretty strong case for, like, why the fuck did they need to use this convoluted, like, poison centipede thing to kill Queen Amidala, um, rather than just kind of, like, shooting her with the high-powered rifle that she obviously has. Um, and, you know, not that that's a huge thing, but, like, that's, like, it, it didn't bother me at the time, but someone pointing out to me, it seems like a reasonable complaint to me that, like, the, the kind of hoo-ha around her assassination is convoluted to a to a point that, like, is is nonsensical. Like, why is Django Fett hiring, uh, subcontracting out this killing to somebody else and then instructing her on how to kill her? Yeah. Um, like, I think that's all very fair. But I think, like, legit stuff, I think there's a, a, a strong point to, you know, maybe it should have been Anakin who jumped out the window because um, that's more in his character. But I think it works either way. Oh, um, interesting. I actually like it the opposite because I like that. I like the duality of they both. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was explaining before. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, Obi Wan does fair. something and Anakin backs him up, and then Anakin does something and Obi Wan backs him up, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I I think I think that like before kind of the actual fight, like I I'm not a huge fan of all of that. Like, I think that like I I think that the 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 bodyguard dying on the uh, on the platform is all right, but like. Anakin being kind of like going from like being like, hey, remember Gundarks? And mm -hmm. to, to straight like, Obi Wan, I think we should be doing this. And like being mouthy to him is just kind of like like a weird kind of like whiplash moment. Um, oh, interesting. I don't know. That doesn't really come across that way to me, but that's fine. And uh, I also think that like uh, towards the end, like, I don't know how close to the end we get, but like, I straight up didn't remember the Geonosis factory bit until I rewatched it before. Like I had I not seen that movie. So I just like didn't remember it. Like it was, yeah, it was yeah. weird. Um, it's, it's just kind of like, whatever. Like it, it, it feels like that, that feels like filler. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the quad endings in Phantom Menace didn't bother me because, uh, I felt like, you know what I mean? Like because they had laid out how each of those needed to go if that, it, it, kind of makes yeah. sense i guess or whatever um but one of the things that really bothers me about attack of the clones is, is like the kind of non-stop barrage of endings because you get like well not endings but like you get this clone you get this droid factory bit right and then you get the gladiator the like the gladiator bit which i also love by the way um uh just as like very cool um you know it's it's like it's the kind of thing that just belongs in a star wars movie i guess i feel like yeah um, i feel that and then you get the Jedi show up and then you get the clones show up and then you get Anakin and Obi-Wan versus Count Dooku. And then you get Yoda. Ver you know what I mean? There's just, it's There's just like, like, back like to back four, to, it's, yeah, four consecutive endings. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> and on, and none of them feel kind of earned. Like there's a, there's a lot of endings also to Revenge of the Sith in the same kind of way, um, uh, but they're they're much more earned, right? Because like Yoda versus Chancellor Palpatine, like there's a ton at stake in that fight, right? Um, Anakin versus Obi-Wan, there's a huge amount at stake in that fight. And so it just does not bother me that that thing goes on for 13 minutes, right? Like, I think that is a fine amount of time for, you know, uh, the, the kind of emotional catharsis, uh, of, of the, of this whole, of like the whole of Star Wars is being like propped up uh, kind of on this one fulcrum. So it being 13 minutes in a two and a half hour movie is okay with me. Yeah, no, uh, I I feel that I feel like I might disagree, I disagree with you a little bit, but we're not quite there yet. So I'll true true. I'll put a pin in that discussion for a second. Um, how do you? Uh, do you there, like Do you like Dexter Jetster? By the way, that's what I was gonna ask you about. Like, how do you feel about <laughs> Dexter Steiner or Dexter's? <laughs> um, like, I don't think the concept. Like, I don't think the idea that Obi Wan has a contact that is able to figure out what this thing is, is so weird. I think the fact that he's in like a weird retro fifties diner is like, I don't get that aspect of it. Like why, why he's, why he's like this weird piece of Americana in like to space. Me, okay. So to me, this stuff is forgivable because it's so clearly like George Lucas being an auteur, I guess. Um, yeah, like what is this is supposed to be like a reference to to fucking uh, American graffiti? Yeah, it, it, this is just the kind of thing that I feel like George Lucas would just uh, that's so like, it's, it's so Star Wars, right? Yeah, him in a way, right? That he's like, oh yeah, Obi Wan has a friend who, who who can identify the dart. Oh, who's the friend? Ah, you know, like you know, like he's a he's a he's a cook at a he's like he's a cook at a diner. Um, like a, a diner in space. Yeah, it's like a 50s diner in Yeah, Like, the thing that bothers me about it the most is the fact that it's, like, a 50s diner and, like, this weird, like, reptilian-looking thing has, like, a mustache. Like, like, this... <laughs> like, I love that the droid is like, Honey, like, oh, yeah. the rest here to see you. Like, oh, I thought that like, was like, funny. All of that is, like, it's just a little too much, right? Like, like if you want to tell me he runs, he's a short-order cook at a space diner... Okay, he's a shorter cook at a fifty space diner with like, <laughs> like like a, a weird Brooklyn accented robot and a mustache is is and, and like the, those old fashioned hats on his fucking head while he scratches his ass is like those are a, a few too many details that I think you you need to strip away in order to to make it like not like what the f yeah I think to me the the only reason that's forgivable is like so okay so like in film terms people love to talk about like auteur filmmakers and everything right. like that but they very rarely actually like when auteur filmmakers are being auteur filmmakers because auteur filmmakers have good you know like have good parts right when george lucas is kind of recreating uh you know like these adventure serials or like these world war ii fighter plane serials in space right he's at his best this is when only a guy like him can get this kind of space combat just right it feels like um, but like you also, w when you have an auteur being an auteur, you have to take with it the fact that they're going to have also weird shit that you're going to have a weird time 
like what the fuck's 50 space signer like yeah that's like that's just this is like this is like the weird downside to accepting that george lucas is an auteur in complete creative control of this right thing, right you know um and uh, uh and so to me it's kind of like the casualty of like i love to see like filmmakers really truly express themselves um on screen i think there's a lot of space for kind of craftsman filmmakers right the kind of people that like th these are the jj abrams of the world right the kind of people that you give them a property and they kind of shit out something uh that is that is um like a well-crafted machine but not like a like a not like an artful one i guess if that makes sense um or like all of the marvel movies are kind of like this like all of the Marvel movies, maybe except for Guardians of the Galaxy, are very much like, you know, anybody could have made them as long as you are a competent director who understands how to be a director sort of thing. Right. right? Um, whereas something like, uh, you know, Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman to me, like, these movies are only a Zack Snyder can make these movies, right? Like, he, they are just as hung up on things that he's hung up on and they are that and he only expresses things that only he could express with these with these movies and so like i'm i and so this is part of what i love about the prequels is how unmistakably george lucas they are i guess and how he is like the sole creative vision behind them um so yeah all right i feel that but uh, I do agree that it's dumb. I, I very much agree that it's dumb. I don't want to downplay that, right? I just think that it's, like, it is the dumb that comes with this very cool thing of watching a person express themselves through filmmaking, right? It's still dumb, but that's cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely... <laughs> I also really love, you know, I, I also really love the kind of setup uh, in, in some of this space stuff with Obi-Wan Kenobi and, uh, and, like, Jango Fett, right? Like, oh, someone's trying to murder... Padme, right, and right as the assassin is about to, you know, fill them in, he gets murdered by another assassin, mm -hmm. right? Like, I, I think all that stuff is very cool, and, you know, Obi-Wan goes to one of his confidants who can tell him something that, you know, like, the stuck-up archive droids at the Jedi Temple can't, right? All that stuff tracks, um, uh, in, in a neat way. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's fair. Um... All right. Well, I guess I guess. Do you have any final thoughts on Attack of the Clones? Do I have any final thoughts on Attack of the Clones? I think it would be very tough. Uh, I think it would be very, very tough to top Attack of the Clones in badness uh, when it comes to Star Wars. But uh, and I believe you and I both have said this on the podcast. Fucking Episode Eight seems to be gunning at that shit full steam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, there are there there is some good news, which is uh, that I that which I have read. Which is, this is really the first instance uh, of one of these new Star Wars movies being made that didn't have a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, fighting uh, between Kathleen Kennedy, who's like the producer in charge of Lucasfilm, um, and, you know, and the director. Um, she pretty famously fought with J.J. Uh, Abrams. Um, and which, we'll pretty famously fight with him again. Yeah, right? Uh, it is insane to me that they that he got brought back into that, you know. A lot of the stuff that he was saying actually after Star Wars seemed to talk about the really bad taste that got left in his mouth from working with them, right? He was like, I'm not doing any of these blockbuster franchises. I'm going to make my own stuff from now on, right? Like, I don't want to do sequels or reboots or adaptations of anything, right? You know, like, and he was really like, and I was like, wow, man, he really must have fucking hated his time at Star Wars. 
Um, but yeah, but then but Kathleen Kennedy fought with him, brought in Luke, uh, sorry Lawrence Kasdan to kind of smooth things over, right? She fought really hard with Gareth Evans, um, or sorry Gareth Edwards, which caused them to basically reshoot the entire back half of Rogue One, which in you know in your opinion, in my opinion, seemed to have saved that movie. Um, uh, and uh, and she fought so hard with Phil Lord and Christopher Miller that they walked off the, you know, that they got, well, they got fired slash walked off the set and they brought in Ron Howard to kind of finish off this Han Solo movie. But all of the buzz coming um, inside is that, um, you know, they actually booked a lot of time uh, for like for reshoots and to go back uh, uh, and fix things in episode eight and used none of it. Um, they basically screened the first cut of the film that Ryan, you know, like that Ryan Johnson had made, uh, you know, like with, you know, dailies going back to, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and everything. And Lucasfilm looked at that and they said, you know what, let's just fucking print it. We don't need to do, we don't need to do, uh, any fixing behind the scenes. We're really happy with it. Um, apparently they actually could have released the movie in July, um, because it was just done because they didn't have to like do any of this, uh, like reshoots kind of post-production sort of stuff. Um, and so, uh, they're just really, they're really happy with what the film is and it's coming out and I don't know that, that, that gives me a little bit of faith, I guess. Yeah. Because, you know, I think a lot of these problems get made when kind of like reshoots go crazy and fucking there's a lot of infighting between, uh, the producers and the director and everything, but I, I, I still hate the, everything I've seen. Yeah. I would say this tells me one of two things. Either this is, it's going to be all right. Or it's going to be the perfect piece of corporate crap, which is why they loved it so much. Yeah. Um, which is my fear yeah. in the first place. Um, Definitely. Uh, I think that covers kind of my final thoughts on this as well. Let's move on to uh, Revenge of the Sith. So before we talk about Revenge of the Sith, though, I do want to bring up, which I think, what I think is the best Star Wars thing ever that I said when we put a pin in, uh, and I, we should have eaten some of our Attack of the Clones time on this. Um, but is the Clone Wars, like animate the, like the 2D animated Clone Wars cartoon that kind of bridges the gap between, um, uh, episode two and episode three, uh, which shows Anakin and Obi-Wan, um, kind of like participating in the battles over, for, like over the course of the war, um, introduces General Grievous for the first time. This is the thing where like Mace Windu loses his lightsaber and just like goes fucking force ape shit. On, uh, on all of the battle droids on Dantooine, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff that people remember. Asajj Ventress uh, is introduced and then killed here. Um, I think this is the best Star Wars thing that's just ever been created, right? Uh, like, the it's almost all visual, right? There are some episodes of it that are told entirely visually. Um, and it also gets to some of the best aspects of, like, Anakin's character um, in terms of him, like embracing the dark side right uh obviously that stuff comes through with like the tuscan raiders and everything like that but it also comes through with how uh he deals with Asajj ventress right with how um like one of the things that he does is he takes a regular jedi starfighter which is what obi-wan used in attack of the clones right that kind of like red and white ship and he paints it blue and white striped uh which is the same paint color which is the same like paint um uh, the same, uh, as his flag from the pod race. Yeah. As his pod racer, his, his pod racer had that same thing. And it's like those kinds of things, right? Like Anakin is someone who gets attached and he has a really tough time letting those attachments go. And at the end of the day, those are the, like, this thing is the thing that's identified as like the seed of everything else like that, that blossoms out of Anakin's kind of like problems. Right. 
Uh, you also see Padme doing stuff that's like cool and interesting. Uh, like she goes on her own, uh, like her own like adventure with R two D two, and I think Yoda. Um, but yeah, so it's like two hours. It's maybe like two hours and fifteen minutes. Uh, it ends in like the most spectacular and awesome. Um, General Grievous attacks Coruscant and kidnaps Emperor Palpatine and a bunch of Jedi. Like go and try and stop him. Uh, at the very end of it, um, Mace Windu crushes, like force crushes Grievous's chest. Uh, which is why he has that wheezing cough in uh, episode three. And it's just the best thing. I, I recommend it to everybody. It's no longer canon anymore, which is like the biggest heartbreak of my life. Um, the other Clone Wars cartoon, I think, is, uh, or at least the parts that made it to like that Clone Wars' cartoons movie. Um, but yeah. I actually wish more of that stuff, like if some of that stuff had been in episode two i think i would have liked episode two better like if if the whole bit with asajj ventress had been kind of like the key uh like 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 in there i think it would have been great oh god i just love it so much you guys fuck man anyway uh so i just wanted to bring that up uh at the top of this because it does bridge the gap between between the two of them all right uh well i've never seen any of the clone wars so you know there's uh there's that um yeah it's done by the same guy that did samurai jack ah you need like any kind of reference point uh, um well Reggie the sith you think is somehow the second best yep uh, i think it's the second best star wars movie <laughs> mostly this is a result by the way of i think uh i think basically all of the star wars movies except for really empire strikes back though even empire in a couple of places are like deeply flawed like i like i think that they're great and i love them and everything like that but like uh it's not like any of these are perfect movies uh including episode four which i think is wildly we're, we'll, we'll get into that we will have a whole hour to argue about episode four but this is mostly a result of me kind of saying if you look at each of these ind individual films as films right um and kind of grade them on their filmmaking uh episode three uh is pretty good um because like like i said before i think a lot of the stuff that drags down episode three is really just kind of baggage from episode two being bad and once you kind of discount that because that's not really you know you know what i mean like yeah. i think it's quote-unquote unfair uh to judge episode three negatively because episode two was so bad um that it's actually like it's actually pretty good it's actually pretty solid um part of this is also because i have a higher i have a higher respect for certain aspects of episode three than other folks do right like like i said i don't think that ending lightsaber scene like that i think that stuff is great and like kind of pitch perfect um uh, I, I think I, it drags a little too long but i understand why you don't feel that way yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you know, and I get it. A lot of people, a lot of people hold that kind of opinion, right? I also think that Hayden Christensen is a good actor in this movie, right? And I think he gets the job done. Uh, I do, you know, like, like I, I think there's a reason that one of the things that we quote a lot about, like, about Anakin being a bad actor, is the sand thing from Episode Two, because I think in Episode Two he was bad, and uh, and 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 things. But I think in Episode Three he is much better, um, and. Um, and even certain lines that I think of as being hokey or weird when, like, clipped. Like, for instance, um, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Like, when you watch a clip of that, I think it looks awful. But I think in the in the midst of that fight, it doesn't take me... I, I think it's pretty... I don't know. I don't it, know. It, it, I, I think that line's bad. I just, like... You know, I, I'm, I'm with you for most of that, but, like, uh, that line is just not... 
like it's not well expressed. Like the sentiment is 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 okay, but like the way. So like, so is there a better line for that? Probably, yeah. I don't know. That, the, people talk about how that line is just like, is like the sand line, and I just don't. I just think that they're two different. Uh, I don't know. I I think it's up there. I think it's calibers. I I think the line is up there. I think yes, in context, the sand line is worse. But like, I I think that 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 line's just a piss poor piece of dialogue. That right, along with enough. power, ultimate power. Oh, I love power, ultimate power, That's the dude. W- That is the worst line of the entire the- fucking series. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? It's so good. Okay, so no, here's it's, the other it's fundamental. It's so stupid. Here's the other fundamental problem, I think, is that, like, one of the big differences between the end, uh, or, sorry, the original trilogy and, um, and this trilogy is, like, this trilogy is much more melodrama and i don't mean that in the set like like in the judgmental it's melodramatic right it is just it's melodrama it is opera right it is it is the epitome of space opera because these emotions are huge right it is it is painting this canvas of like the fate of the galaxy resting on this one person's inability to grapple with his own you know what i mean like this is the and and this is kind of what i think a lot of the beauty of star wars is like but if you actually look at the original trilogy the original trilogy is much more realistic than this right and i mean this in the term of like in like the adjective form of the term realism if that makes sense right um it is a it, the, like that. The original trilogy is is a is a film trilogy in the in like the realism genre, kind of not really, but do you, you see what I'm saying? Like it is it is realism, whereas this is melodrama, right? And I understand how some people might say, well, Star Wars should be realism; it shouldn't be melodrama. Fine, you know, like whatever. Those kinds of arguments are those kinds of arguments, sort of thing. Um, but insofar as it is melodrama, I think it is very good melodrama. And I, I, I happen to really love melodrama, right? I like it when things can, get Can big. you define what that means? Uh, well, I actually kind of wonder what I like a dic- dictionary definition. Okay, I'm actually not going to start with the dictionary definition because I'll define how, the way that I talk about it. So melodrama is kind of a lot like Shakespeare, right? Or like, like traditional like opera, right? Um, uh, or like a musical, for instance, would also be kind of related in this kind of way, where the emotions and the characters are, uh, they're arch, and they are broad, and they are very big. And it's talking about, uh, like, big emotions that are given huge amount, like, huge amounts of, like, weight, right? Like, if you think about melodrama in the context of a musical, right, um, every time there's a musical number, typically... It's because there is some emotion that is so powerful to this character that he cannot help but express it by breaking into song, right? And the whole world says, this emotion is so important that we're also going to break into song with it, right? And it's not realistic, right? It's not like, you know, it's not like like when, uh, you know, in, in, in West Side Story when he starts singing Maria, right? It's because he loves her so much that he can't be realistic about it. It's so, right. that's how big it is kind of thing, right? Uh, and also like in like in a Shakespeare sense or in like a Greek tragedy kind of sense, which is also, I think, a lot of where this stuff is rooted in, right? Like, you know, Macbeth is the kind of guy who needs incredibly, uh, uh, you know, uh, lyrical lines to express uh, the, the depth of his ambition and also, like, the regret at it, 
You know what I mean? Like th these are all things that they're larger than life, right? They are not realistic. And that's kind of the point. The point is to put these things into huge, you know, you know, it's to make everything so big and, uh, and kind of like unreal, I guess, um, to drive home the point of like the, the, these emotions being important to like these characters. Does that make sense? I, I guess I don't. And so like, and so, okay. And so like, uh, a play like, God, what's another famous play besides like a fucking Shakespeare play? Like, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think I agree that that's like, that justifies Palpatine screaming ultimate power while he like force lightnings Windu into like the, the middle of Coruscant. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think it justifies, so I think it kind of justifies uh, a lot of this kind of stuff, but I think the big thing is that the original trilogy really isn't too melodramatic, right? It's actually pretty real and right. realistic, right? And I, and I also think that we live in a filmmaking world where kind of realism is prioritized, I guess, um, in, uh, in a way that, like... Like, so, for instance, one of the things that's really lacking in the prequels is kind of, like, the snappy, uh, like, back-and-forth bantery dialogue um, that, you know... That, that, like, so that, you know, so that happens in the original trilogy, but it also happens in a lot of other movies, right? Like, Marvel movie characters do this all the time, right? In episode seven, this is one of the things, right? Where Rey is pointing to the thing, and she's like, no, 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 the one I'm pointing to. That's a very realistic conversation, right? But that's not a conversation that you would have in a melodramatic Shakespeare play, right? Or it's not a conversation that happens in a Greek tragedy or, you know, in any of these in any of these kinds of places. Even musicals don't have kinds of conversations like this because those conversations are hyper-realistic in a way that these stories can't be. Um, and I think that's one of the big pieces of dissonance that happens between people who like, you know, the, the original trilogy and people who, who see the prequels is, yes, they exist in the same universe, but they don't have the same kind of tone if that makes sense. Um, and so Palpatine screaming power, ultimate power, when his gamble finally pays off and he knows for certain, right, that he is that he has attained literally this thing, power, ultimate power, right? I think that kind of thing is just like, I don't know. Yeah, I still think it's stupid. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Okay. I mean, it, it is. It's a bigger point than just the Palpatine line. No, right? no. Like, like, um, and, and I, I can see what you're saying, and I think that does well to justify like other aspects of the series that people take at, uh, take issue with. But I don't think he excuses kind of like the j just just how like stark and dumb that line feels. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also sort of a thing about like delivery of cert of certain of these lines, um, like the script of. You know, like like the, the the words on the page of sand is coarse and whatever, and then he like touches Padme's arm and says, "It's oh God." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's bad. I do, I don't know that I think that uh, I don't know that I think on the page um, certain of these lines that people make fun of are as bad, right? Like only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah, I think that's like a dumb line because it's kind of delivered weird. Um, I but, actually don't. Uh, I don't have nearly as much problem with that line as, as any. I don't have nearly as much problem with that line either. Mostly because I think it's part of how I. I think that this line is kind of the is kind of one of the lines that goes into how the Jedi are also not really good. Or they are the good guys, but they're not flawless. Right. right? I think it's important for Obi Wan to also be something of a hypocrite here, right? Um, and say something that is that is dumb 
in a way that or or, or like or uh, that is that is not well thought out, right? Like I Obi Wan is more of it, it makes more mistakes in this movie than uh, than people think because he's kind of the protagonist. He's kind of one like, one of the good guys and everything like that. Um, but like the whole ending of the movie basically is because of Obi Wan lying to Padme and stowing away on the ship. You know what I mean? And she, she, like, the only hope you have, the only hope that there is, right, that Anakin won't turn to the dark side right now is if Padme, right, the woman he loves, can snap him back to reality, can get him, to get him out of this, like, spiral of negativity and negative emotions that he has. Um, and the person that ruins that is Obi-Wan. Because Anakin says, you know, it's, you know, like, this is Obi-Wan, you know, like, this is all Obi-Wan trying to undermine me, trying to undermine us. And she says, no, this has nothing to do with Obi-Wan. And she's right. She protects An Anakin for the sake of Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan goes to Anakin and is, or goes to Padme and is like, hey, where is Anakin? She knows. She knows he's on Mustafar. And she protects him and she says, not, I'm, I'm not telling you, essentially. And then she goes on to, and then she goes to Mustafar. But when Anakin sees him on her ship, it completely, that's it. That's the end of it. Anakin cannot be anyone but Darth Vader from that moment forward because the last vestige, right, of him being a good person, right, and him being motivated by, uh, by kind of like love and righteousness, all of that disappears when he sees Obi-Wan on the ship. And I, and so like, and so I think there's a lot that gets misunderstood about their relationship based on like that people, people wanting Obi-Wan to be more of a traditional good guy than he is. Yeah, I mean, and you know, kind of at the end of end of the day, like it's also not like he's doing the wrong thing. That's like he's not do necessarily doing the wrong thing for the Republic, right? Like, no, definitely, absolutely, right. Um, but yeah, it, the, the, one of the, one of the things that I like a lot about this movie is it's when everything kind of comes tumbling down, and it's and it's satisfying mm. to watch that, uh, even though it's also like emotionally gut-wrenching right um like i cried during this movie a lot <laughs> last year when i did the or two years ago i guess when i did like the marathon man like it was like 6 a.m and i was really sleep deprived because the like the marathon had started at like 10 p.m the night before or whatever it was sort of thing and i was just like i just couldn't stop crying at the end of this thing i was like no they love each other they're brothers stop fighting like but um but yeah i know exactly what you mean when it comes to uh when it comes to that sort of uh that sort of thing when you say said it's tumbling down the only thing i can can think in my mind is there's this great prequel memes comic i think a lot of the prequel memes are rooted in revenge of the sith which i think kind of speaks to its quality in a way which is a weird thing to say but like the fact that it's memeable i think at least lends it a little bit of credence that it's that it's at least watchable and like there's stuff in there to pull out yeah, yeah um, definitely in specific instance there's like a meme that's like um, it's like, I've been in a coma for like, whatever amount of time. I was like, oh boy, I can't wait to see my favorite younglings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, people, you know, honestly, people shit on the, like, the younglings thing or like they say that that's too dark or whatever, but man, I really, oh no, like, like I, I, I think, think that's, yeah. You want to show a man that's fallen? You have him kill a bunch of kids. Yeah, dude. With a sword. Oh. A bunch of kids who are like, but Master Anakin, what are we gonna do? And he's like, we're gonna fucking die. <laughs> oh, so brutal, right? I also, Ugh. like, man, that Order 66 montage is so tough. Yeah. Oh, the thing I wanted to mention, right? So, 
you know how Anakin paints his paints his Starfinder like his pod racer, right? Because you know, like attachments, yeah. he can't let go of his attachments. Plo Koon is flying Anakin's Starfighter uh, when he gets shot down. It's the it's the blue and white it's the blue and white Starfinder or Starfighter. Do they explain um, why? No, no, I just think it's a neat detail. You know, okay, like, yeah, yeah. Um, Plo Koon is has always been like Plo Koon is a, is a very good. Um, Starfighter pilot, um, that's like part of, you know, kind of like his identity as a Jedi, and so him and Anakin like bonded over that, some of the EU uh. stuff, and so it's like, a, I, I don't know how much of a nod to that stuff specifically it is, but I think it is a cool detail that, you know, like made it into the film, uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, I kind of wish we had seen a little bit more of the other Jedi, like, yeah. like there's Kit Actually, Fisto, yeah. and like Aela Secura, right? Like that's the, mm -hmm. that's, that's the one, that's the, the, what's it called, the... The uh, Twi'lek. Yeah, the Twi'lek with the two that does the two lightsabers. Um, yeah, I love a lot of these. Uh, I think part of why um, the part of why the Clone Wars set of material got so successful uh, with uh, young kids is because there's just so much. Uh, like the the world feels so big, and you can't contain that all in a movie. And I don't think that's not like a detriment on the movie, right? Like I think it kind of strikes the right balance. You probably had enough space for like one more Jedi character to kind of like like real Jedi yeah, character yeah. to kind of like flesh things out a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, right? Like I understand how a kid watches that, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Like that, you know, like this guy with the tentacles is so neat, or what's with what's with this guy in the face mask, right? And that's where they gravitate to material like the Clone Wars animated series, which does right. have a whole thing on, you know, Kit Fisto uh, going underwater and using his underwater lightsaber, right? Um, and in in stuff like that, right? Like it's just such a it's such fertile ground for the imaginations uh, of of folks like that. Yeah. Um, what? But we kind of skipped around a little bit. What do you think about this? How do you how do you like the start of this of this movie? Um, the the starfighter sequence. Um, I think that it's all right. Um, I think that. I think that Grievous in general is just not given enough time. Like he, I remember at the time, he was like the big kind of like thing in the ads. He was like a oh come see the the new big bad, and he's like. Mm -hmm. dead very quickly and very with, without much circumstance like he doesn't get a great lightsaber battle um and uh the other half of that is uh and, and like i don't know i it felt like a stretch it felt like a stretch when palpatine's like like kill dooku and leave obi-wan here right like mm -hmm. th those felt like things that like should have tripped alarms somewhere with 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 Anakin, right? Like, like the, the, it's just a little too egregious for for me to for, for me to kind of take sitting down, and also the fact that like no one questioned why Dooku was, I guess Obi Wan was knocked out and Anakin could have said like I needed to kill him, but that, that still feels like a level of like Anakin's still at the point where he might say something like, you know, oh. Chancellor Palpatine told me to kill him, so I did. Um, although he gets, he does recognize that he shouldn't have done it, but but it's, it still feels kind of like Anakin should have at least on a little bit of his own recognized has been like this. This is probably a problem at some level. Oh, interesting. See, what? Well, hmm, interesting. I like that whole setup because I think it does a pretty good job of understand of like explaining a bit of like the slope that Anakin is slipping down, but also kind of showing that he's not fully gone yet. You know what I mean? Like the the, the the I think the reason the line there with Obi Wan is actually not for Palpatine to be like I'm so evil. 
But for Anakin to be like, no, he's still my friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to leave him behind. And that kind of gives... Because I think, I mean, we all know where this ends. Right. Um, so, uh, but I, I, I think that, like, on an emotional level, Anakin can't be fully gone right until much later i mean like anakin isn't fully gone until yeah. he thinks padme betrayed him right that's the snapping point and that's right at the start of like essentially the third act right um and so uh i think it's important to kind of give anakin uh, uh, like like both sides of it right you have him murder dooku which is something he wants so badly right and he knows it's the wrong thing to do he's just cut off this dude's hands right there's no way that dooku is a threat to him anymore but he wants it so badly because he wants revenge for his arm you know like i think that stuff i think having that see but I, also I, having I, I don't think they like pushed i don't think they pushed kind of like that is a thing that he wants revenge for so bad like enough like it, it didn't feel that way like, it didn't feel that way. Well, I like I, I didn't read it in. I, I didn't read being, it in yeah. him that he was being like this was him put this this, him, this being pushed towards revenge, right? Like, like if he gets into like a super hacky, like you know, you know things that rhyme, like uh, the fight at the end of uh, of of Return of the Jedi is kind of very much like the the mirror of this scene, right? Like Palpatine urges um, Luke to to kill Vader who cut off his hand. This is like kind of the mirror of that, and he does do it. But like you don't see enough of the anger in in Anakin to kind of really drive that point home, even though it's there. Like I, I feel I feel like Anakin should have been angrier while he was fighting Dooku in that last sequence. Hmm. <laughs> Just to kind of drive the point home. Yeah, I guess I agree uh, to a certain extent. I like a lot of it because I think it's very cool to show how confident Anakin mm. is. Um, they, they, like that, because Dooku is someone that beat him, right? He beat him and Obi Wan uh, at the end of uh, uh, at the end of Attack of the Clones, um, and so I like the juxtaposition between Anakin getting outclassed and getting his arm sliced off, um, and Anakin kind of pretty, you know, like pretty handily on his own. He's much more powerful and he's much stronger and more confident in his abilities with three years of clone wars under his belt, um, uh, that he can, that he can take care of Dooku. Uh, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's definitely, yeah. I also think there's a certain amount of it that like falls into Anakin, uh, like Anakin's fundamental kind of belief in fascism, really. Like there's stuff, you know, there's stuff even in episode two yeah, yeah. where, I mean, it's very clear. He, she, like Padme's like democracy. And he's like, well, democracy would be better if there wasn't any of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's true. Uh, and, th and that stuff, you know, and I understand where that stuff comes from, right? Uh, in fact, this is probably another one of the big failings, I think, of episodes one and two in establishing Anakin as a character um, is Anakin's natural distrust for bureaucracy. Right. Uh, and the bureaucracy of the Republic because he's someone who the Republic betrayed, right? Like he was a slave on Tatooine and the Republic couldn't. You know, like the Republic couldn't save him, such that Obi Wan, or sorry, not such such, such that Qui Gon had to like fuck with the rules essentially yeah. in order to get him out of there. And so I think, and and like, in from that, like when I frame it that way to myself, kind of right, uh, it makes a lot more sense where Anakin's justification for you know the ends justify the means, and sometimes you need a strong direct leader 
who who makes decisive choices and why he's so frustrated and fed up with you know politics uh that are you know like politicians getting stuck in fucking stupid dumb committees when people's lives are at stake right right, right. you know i understand why that's so that's a very personal thing for anakin but it's not really set up enough um in the same way yeah actually i i think i agree with you i think anakin's kind of anger is not coming across uh, that's a little bit more implicit. It's it's a little bit tough for me in the in the course of the movie. Like for instance, I get what you say about General Grievous, and I don't know that I'd ever really be able to give it an accurate readout because I was on board with the Clone Wars series, which was bridging the gap, and I had seen all of those cartoons okay. before Episode Three comes out. And so, like when I watch Episode Three, I like my my time with General Grievous is you already there. have it. Yeah, yeah, I already have it, and so like. Him and I also, you know, like and so him dying, you know, getting getting beaten by Obi Wan, um, kind of in the middle of this movie, uh, like I don't know, that, that's that feels fine to me. That just doesn't feel like a problem. But I don't know that I, but I can't ever remove, you know what I mean? I can't remove that aspect of it, and I can't kind of, uh... yeah, because I even think inside of the movie itself, like General Grievous gets two fight scenes, one in the beginning on the bridge of the starship. Um, and, uh, and then one on Utapau with Obi-Wan, um, you know, General Grievous is not the most important, you know, like Palpatine is, yeah, yeah. And, I, and this is, this is a story more about Anakin, so, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. The, 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 the thing that bothers me the most is that he, like, you know, we talk about how, like, incredible some of the choreography on these fights are, and he doesn't get a lot, right? Like, he's... You've got this cool, like, four lightsaber dude, and, like, he basically spins two of the lightsabers. One of his arms almost immediately gets chopped off. Yeah. And he kind of... And, like, you know, thematically, that makes sense, because he's not a Jedi, right? Like, he's he's just kind of, like, a mechanical dude with four arms. Yep. Um, but the, the, the fact that, like, it's it's not really greatly choreographed, and he dies to a blaster shot, right? Like, I actually... Which, I have to say, well, like, I that, do... That yeah. is neat on its own, right? Like, I, I get that it's neat that he gets killed with the blaster shot, but... The, the fact that that comes at the expense of him getting, like, a well-choreographed scene is is uh, is kind of disappointing. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I, I It feels almost like an homage to fucking, uh, what's, what's, uh, Indiana Jones. I think it kind of is, actually. Um. I mean, you know, it, uh, well, homage is kind of a weird term, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely think it is. Uh, like, that's absolutely the, the thing. I also love So Uncivilized. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, see, the, like, I also think that it, over the course of the first two movies, it took some time to get um, to get these people kind of comfortable in their own skins. Right? right. I think so uncivilized could have also been a really shitty line, um, if it wasn't you, like you, but if like you and McGregor didn't sell it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I actually that. think there's a lot of stuff in here um, that uh, that gets sold by the actors being better. Right. right. So this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. I think that hits, right? It's liberty, um, but yes. Oh, liberty. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think... Um, God, learn the lore! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, I think Anakin... I think Anakin gets great stuff uh, and, is, and is really strong. Especially his thing with Palpatine kind of in the middle there. I love the moment when Palpatine just lays his plan out to Anakin. Uh, I think that's what probably. So 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 so. <sighs> Man, it's so good. I love it. So, so, so I've got a question for you, buddy. Yeah, hit me. What do you think of Darth Darth Plagueis the Wise? And and uh, that's not like you know that that's kind of a joke. But what I mean in that is like, how do you feel about the fact that that 
you know, the, the Palpatine's basically like, you know, basically like, evil's pretty good, Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I love about that scene. It's, the, it's in the context of the scenes that surround it. Um, that scene is so important because the preceding two scenes are the same mechanical thing from a story perspective, but this one is different because Palpatine gives Anakin what he wants. Uh, Anakin goes to Yoda first. He's having shitty dreams about Padme. He's yeah. like, Padme's gonna die, and I don't know what to do about it. I'm having a really tough time with it. And Yoda's like, hey, man, shit happens. People die. Get over it, <laughs> right? You know, he's much nicer about it. He's like, oh, it's beautiful. They become one with the Force yeah. or whatever. That's not, that's not the end of the I, I also feel like part of what that, like, what that was supposed to read as is, like, if you disassociate yourself with it, you won't end up falling into the trap that causes it or whatever. Um, but that might just be overreading on my part because, you know, like, that sounds like, that sounds like straight, like, Christian apologetics right there. It's like, every, well, like, like, it's, it's all part Christian of the Force's apologetics. plan or whatever, right? Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, but so he goes to, so he goes to, oh, I'm sorry, he goes to Yoda and he says, uh, actually, I think the first one he does is Padme, to be honest, where right. he, where he's talking to Padme about it. And, um, and she, and she's not, you know, and she's not worried about it at all. She can't reassure him. Right. And so he's still, he's still got, you know, but this fucking thing, right? Like it's still stuck in his craw. Right. And he's got to figure it out. So then he goes to Yoda, right? His first instinct is to go to the wisest Jedi that he knows. And he goes to Yoda and Yoda says, tough shit, people die. And then he just happens to, you know, he just happens to hang out with Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine's his buddy. Emperor Palpatine's like hey, man, what's bothering you? And he's like, man, like, I'm having a really tough time. Padme's going to fucking die, and I don't know what to do about it. And then Palpatine gives him what he wants. He says, you can fix this, right? All you need to do is be stronger, is be better, right? And you can, you know, and you can parlay that into stopping the people that you love from dying. I love that. Um, so so I, I think this kind of, like, kind of examining this to your, your, your melodrama lens, like... Mm -hmm. I feel like th this is one that kind of skirts the edge of like, you know, right up until like, you know, you know, have you heard of Darth Plagueis the Wise? He was particularly good at keeping pregnant women from dying type of thing. Right, like, <laughs> like, right, right, yeah. Like, and like, where like, I think that like ultimate power and from my perspective, the Jedi are evil kind of cross that line into bad territory and like things like how uncivilized and whatever kind of stay on the inside of that. Mm -hmm. um, I think this, this story kind of like, hits hits that rim i think this is actually kind of why these moments become super fucking memeable because they're like right on the edge of like what's okay and what's not like this i am the senate it's trees and then like they're all kind of like right there where like it works but like a little bit more and it wouldn't have worked so i mean i think a meme by its nature takes something out of context and i think sure. out of context these things are very silly and i think that's kind of the bread and butter of it right but in, inside of the moment i also think ian mcdermott right like this is why i think he's the best actor in the prequels uh he just sells the shit out of it right where he's just kind of you know he's like oh he's so fucking powerful but then his apprentice kills him in his sleep you know like yeah i just think that ah man like it's so good it's the, so great but but this, this is kind of the thing right like you, it's harder to make a meme out of something that is just funny. On, like, you, you say, like, but from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. And that's the whole joke within itself, because it's kind of bad in context, right? Because the memeable phrases kind of, like, lose something when you pull them out of context, they only kind of work in these weird, like, engineered situations that are, like, this kind of meme format, right? Like, 
you know, like, uh, like, like, like re- referencing Palpatine as kind of the Senate in kind of this weird, un- I- I- like, ironic way. That's like, you know, like instead of instead of saying Emperor Palpatine, you say the Senate as, as a joke. That works only because you take it out of context. Like it doesn't work on its own as as a joke. Like it's a reasonable line in context. And so by taking it out of context and applying it to these weird situations, um, it kind of, I think, illuminates the fact that it does work in context. Because you have to take it out of context in order for it to... And you have to apply it to a different situation in order for it to be a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I guess I agree with but, that. But, but it's like, close enough there that taking it out of context makes it m- makes it funny, right? Like, it, it, is, it is, is close to that line. Well, so I also think I, I also think a lot of this is because we're not used to like culturally we're not used to melodrama, right? Right. Um, probably like you know even like like Titanic is melodrama. Um, I'm trying to think of like big melodrama movies that like people get into, but I think the reason that like you know uh, like big musical movies like Les Mis don't quite hit the mark. Uh, and stuff like that. Even, like, Disney movies have gotten, like, way more kind of, like, postmodern about themselves and are less, and are more interested in irony than they are in sincerity, right? Like, you know, you, in Moana, you have this part where Maui's like, if you sing, uh, like, if you start singing, I'm gonna throw up, you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. the, the kind of implicit joke there is the melodrama of the situation sort of thing. And I think a lot of that really kind of gets baked into kind of what, are, like, the state of our culture right in this moment is that sort of thing yeah and so um and so i think i think it's kind of easy to like pick on this sort of stuff i think it's also i also think that mel- like non-musical melodramas are an even harder beast because it like at least musicals you kind of have the excuse of it's a musical yeah. to, to to kind of like sell like the the weirdness like um like uh la la land right like yeah like no no one looks at that and is and is like well well that was a weird line they're like oh it's a song and it's a musical so whatever yeah but like you know then you have stuff like the martha moment or whatever that's not a musical uh, you know yeah. what i mean and yeah. we're kind of trained to a certain extent to associate a superhero fight with some realism um because of you know the dark knight trilogy and these marvel movies yeah. which are which are realism kind of focused or whatever and so the you know yeah the we we get like the thematic idea behind the Martha moment makes a lot of sense, and I understand why. You know, like, and yeah. you understand why everything's going on, but it's still kind of silly because we're not used to that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I also think that there's kind of like a level of like things that are dark and gritty have an associated expectation of realism with them, um, mm-hmm. even though they don't necessarily need to be. Um, I think that's probably like the big weakness to Zack Snyder's aesthetic because he really likes melodrama because he's so kind of um, consumed with like the interactions between gods and men. Like all of his movies are about like deities interacting with mortals in some variety or another sort of thing um but he also likes you know like he also likes that kind of gritty aesthetic and so it's just like whiplash for people who are just not used to that sort of thing and i will point out that we have spent three or four minutes talking about fuck you're right oh god this is revenge of the sith this is the best one okay (laughs) it's just funny that we can't avoid we can't avoid it Batman versus Superman will haunt us forever. Well, uh, it, it, it is very similar, no, no, it, right? like the it, it's definitely I, relevant. It's just funny. Yeah, it's it's it is it is these these big melodramatic moments, right? I'm so attracted to this stuff, right? This is why when we were doing the Oscar bait thing last year, I was talking about how like Moonlight was the best movie of the year, but I didn't like it all that much because it that it is the opposite of melodrama, right? It is incredible realism. It's so. You know, like, it's so real, and that's good, and I can recognize that being good, but it's also not something that appeals to my tastes, if that makes sense. Um, so this is, so like, that's kind of like the, uh, that's kind of like the bedrock of a lot of this stuff, right? 
Um, but um, something else I wanted to talk a lot about when it comes to Revenge of the Sith is um, is the uh, God. I just had it in my head, but then I lost it a second later. Oh, is the progression I think that gets made of Anakin like. From Anakin's point of view, the movie showing you Anakin's point of view on how he comes to suspect the Jedi are wrong, right? Because I think that's a pretty foundational point that is also weirdly subtle, like that's that's kind of more subtle in the movie um, than uh, than it could be. And if I think that there is a big flaw in Revenge of the Sith, I think it's that this stuff is not explicit enough. I guess. Um, I, I also think there's so like. One of the things that bothers me, kind of, kind of weirdly about about this in this kind of thread, is that like, is how aggravated Anakin is that they won't make him a master for sitting on the council when he's like, like when it's pretty clear that he, that he's on the council for political reasons. Like I, I kind of expected him. Oh to... really, man? I love that actually. I think that's great. No, but why, like, why don't you like it? it? It's it feels like I expect. Anakin who hasn't fallen yet to understand that the fact that he's on the count like is to understand the fact that he's on the council is because of um is, is because of Palpatine and not because he like I, I feel like him to himself being like I deserve this and I should be a master and they don't recognize my greatness makes sense but him openly bitching about it seems kind of like the, the fact that he that he that he can't see that like this that, that he's only here because of political machinations because of the bureaucracy that he himself doesn't trust it just seems weird to me oh see that I, to me that is perfect I think that whole that bit is so important to the movie and I'm really glad that it's in there because it's such an important detail to me this is a lot like Julius Caesar not realizing that you know he's pissing off these senators or whatever by declaring himself a dictator, right? Or it's like Macbeth, right? Like, not seeing that Banquo is his trusted ally, right? And is and instead, uh, and, he, and he's, like, instead afraid that Banquo is going to, like, take the seat, you know, like, take the kingship for him, right? Like, this is a guy who's, like, consumed with himself and his warp and his view is so kind of, like, myopic and warped. Um, that he can't see the situation clearly, right? Um, the best kind of thing about this to me is that it comes right after, uh, like, Anakin kind of gets that, like, release of all I... Uh, the, uh, release of, yes, I can stop Padme from dying, right? He gets that from Palpatine. But the key to that is Palpatine says, you just gotta be really fucking powerful to do it, right? And Anakin is really powerful. He's so confident in himself. And he always thinks, right? He, he always has this arrogance. He always thinks that he is better than he is. And a lot of the time... In, you know, even in the expanded universe, his arrogance is rewarded, right? Which just furthers it, right? He thinks he's better than this and he can, you know, and he can pull off this incredibly reckless shit. He can go and he goes and he follows Asajj Ventress into, you know, like when she warps away or hyperdrives away um, into so, what is clearly a trap. But he's like, yeah, fucking, I don't give a shit. I can spring this trap and go nuts. They have that moment in the beginning of this, right? What are we going to do? It's a trap. Let's spring it, right? Like, I think so. That so, so I don't have a problem with him being arrogant enough to think that he's that he's uh, qualified to be a master. The problem I have mm -hmm. is that is that he is so blind that he can't read that the council wouldn't feel that way when this is like the thing that he's continually frustrated by. 
Like, yeah, yeah, I, okay. Yeah, to me, that's just him being myopic, right? He just can't see the situation clearly. Right. I, I, he's, he's, like, he's convinced that the council, it, it, is, a, it is a personal slight against him. No, right? no, I, I, I get that. And I could, like, I don't know. The, the version of my mind that makes a little more sense is, like, and maybe I shouldn't expect this because he's always dumb like this, but, like, is, is that he sees this and he's aggravated and maybe he bitches to Obi-Wan about it, right, as it being a slight to him. But him openly bitching about about it to the masters just seems like i don't know and he seems to always kind of have this problem and at least in the movies because like he's like maybe maybe part of this is you see it more because in the clone wars because it's there is like i feel like it's very hard for me to believe that anakin was ever a good dude like he doesn't seem like he, he goes straight from shitty kid to like guy who's willing to murder tuscan children because he's he is, is mostly got the better of him immediately jumps into breaking all the fucking rules. Cause he's, he's too horny. Um, and then like immediately starts tumbling down a path without ever really showing that he was standing up in the first place. I don't have that same problem. Um, and I kind of get where you're coming from, but yeah, I, in a weird way, I think, uh, that some of the stuff that we almost take for granted in both of these movies, um, it just works fine for me, I guess. Yeah, uh, like maybe Anakin, part of it is you you saw a more of Anakin in in those Clone War cartoons, right? Like, yeah, um, like all the only things I see Anakin do are um, be a shitty kid. Uh, well, so that's also another piece of it. Like, I think I think he's shitty in in for, as a kid in the sense is like his actor was not super great, and the kid was kind of not. No, I mean, like, I, th- I think I actually think that's fine, right? Like, he's allowed to be like a, sh- like he acts like a child acts, right? Like, and that, that that's yeah, fine yeah. to me. Um, I just I just mentioned that to kind of point out that like you can't really root anything about him in that because he's just being a child, right? Like it, it's like yes, we don't have evidence that he's a like you know like some sort of omen like child who like is, is a devil child or whatever, but he's still just a kid. Like you can't really get like a good good view of his moral footing in in that moment. Yeah, because I because he does a lot of stuff in the Phantom Menace that I think of as being you know what I mean like like fundamentally good things right like you know he's he's willing to help out yeah he's he's, he's fairly selfless and all that but like um and then but and then you know and then in Attack of the Clones I think that there's a lot like you know I, there's a personal aspect to him wanting to save Padme obviously but that's also a good thing to be doing right like he saves Padme's life um, right but but I, f- I feel like this is kind of like overridden by like his like weird like Padme look deep into my eyes you know like wiggles his eyebrows and like wags his tongue at her or whatever okay yeah I mean I see I see how you get there uh I I I don't have that same sort of thing but you're right because I also was paying a lot more attention to like the Clone Wars and stuff like that um which really does fill out some of his stuff but by the way both positively and negatively right like the reason that Asajj Ventress stuff is so great is because it actually speaks to an aspect of Anakin that like we don't get into all that much which is kind of like um uh like his weird like spike anakin is so okay i I was watching i was watching a youtube video the other day talking about uh like guardians of the galaxy i actually should link this to you you'd love it well you might not love it but there's this part where he um the person talks about how rocket uh is triggered by like literally triggered by condescension and like disrespect Right. right And so whenever anybody condescends to him or disrespects to him, he immediately goes crazy. You know, like, he goes crazy. And I think Anakin has the same kind of 
aspect to it, right? Like, there's this part where Asajj Ventress shows up, does some shit, and Anakin wants to hunt her down, and Obi-Wan is like, no, you know, like, we need to stay here with, like, the clones and direct the army or whatever. And Anakin reads that, and he says something like, he's something like, oh, you think I can't? Sort of, you know what I mean? And it's like, that fuels him to disregard Obi-Wan and go hunt down Asajj Ventress and end, ends up killing her with her own red lightsaber, by the way, which is like awesome it's such a great it's such a great thing but like I, there's also bits of that that come across here right i think this is part of why he re, he reacts so personally to the council and he can't see the bigger picture right, right. because he okay, reads the sense. council and it, and it is as it is immediately you know what i mean yeah, yeah i think no, that's, that makes that's sense. a deeper part of his character that comes out a bit I also love the way that Mace Windu is, like, so unhelpful with, like, you know what I mean? Like, Yoda, Yoda's pretty good about it, and so is Obi-Wan. Like, there's a really great moment, um, probably one of the moments that I think is foundational to the ending fight being so rough, when uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, like, Anakin actually wants to hunt down Grievous, but then the counselor are like, no, you're too much of a kid, and he gets pissed about it, but then they're like we're going to send Obi-Wan to do it. And he's, and he's like, oh, okay, right? Because Obi-Wan is someone he trusts and he cares right, about, right? Right, right? And their relationship is real. And then they go and, like, they split up or whatever. And there's this moment where, like, they're just really cool with one another. And he's like, hey, hey, you know, may the Force be with you. And, and Obi-Wan's like, oh, yeah, may the Force also be with you or whatever. And it's like, this is the last time that they interact. Um, they, they have just, like, a really solid friendship. And that friendship really reads to me, I guess. Um and uh, I don't know why I brought that up. I just really love that. Yeah, bit. that's yeah. fair. Um, I think the movie has a lot more of those kinds of moments that can get lost in kind of the memes uh, or people like shitting on the prequels. Uh, like there's just like, you know, like the friendship between Anakin and Obi-Wan is really real. Uh, I also think that I feel this way because I like the opening to episode two so much. Um, where that's also kind of bedrock for this friendship being real yeah, to yeah, me yeah. is like how they fight together at the at the top of that movie sort of thing, and that's why it's so you know like and that's why it's so like gut wrenchingly emotional when they're fighting at the end of the movie, right? Like, you know, like yeah, sure, it's it's over, you know, like it's kind of overdrawn and the metaphor, right? This you know crumbling mining facility on this lava planet uh, because he's so consumed with rage. Fine, sure, kind of thing. Uh, but to me, it all works because of how, you know, of how real their friendship, I guess, kind of was. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel that. I um, also, there are also a lot of moments in that fight that I really love. Uh, like, for instance, the part where they both go to force push one another at the exact same time. Uh, or the part, like, people talk about the part where they just flare the lightsabers around and they not actually attack them. I like it because those moments are symmetrical, and I think it kind of gets to, you know, with the fight choreography, it gets to how these people, like, how they are so similar, I guess. Uh, like, this is something that, that a friend of mine um, said, is that Anakin's final fight with Obi-Wan, he should have had his red lightsaber. And I was like, no, he, like, that's the point. He really can't. It has to be that they are both... You know what I mean? Because they are so similar, um, and they and they are so close, but also like not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not not in particular. I think that like having them both be blue lightsabers is 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 kind of a misstep in terms of following what's happening. But oh, really? Yeah. I th it, it gets easy for me because I think like from a cinematography perspective. Um, Washing out the whole, like washing out the whole fight in the in the orange and the red of the lava, it would have been impossible to pick out a red lightsaber. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, I think just kind of in general, they should, like it could have been a green lightsaber. I just don't. I think them having the same color lightsaber was a misstep. 
in terms Fair of just enough. kind of like visual clarity. Um, that that's all. Like, um, yeah, because I really love the colors of it, like the the, the blue on the red and everything yeah. like that. But I wonder, like, I think that there would actually be something cool. And I actually forgot to bring this back up, but like, um, I think there would have been something cool if like Obi Wan had used like Qui Gon's green lightsaber, to yeah, 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 or something along those lines. Um, just to like, just to like go back to that for a second like part of the thing that i think the the part of the reason the dooku thing is a little bit flat is because i think dooku is so poorly represented in attack of the clones yeah like you get that like it is mind-boggling how much this scene makes no fucking sense when um when uh obi-wan is like suspended in the prison and then like dooku explains that fucking darth sidious is in is in control of the well, the Senate. Of the, I, I was like, why are you explaining this to Obi-Wan? Obi-Wan doesn't ever say anything like that. It's not like, like, if this is the genesis for kind of the, sus, the suspicion, I guess, that the Jedi Council has of Palpatine, right? Like, why is it never, ever brought up again? And it's almost played like that whole moment is just like... Well, they, they, bring, it, they bring it up when he says that, like, you know, he might just be lying to sow dissent in the ranks. Yeah, I just feel like that is it's, it, it, it. See, like it feels like they accept that explanation when they shouldn't, right? And it feels like such an important plot. Yeah, point that's fair. That they just gloss over in the in the in the second movie, and it's not like I don't think that, you know, Mace Windu is the driving force of this uh, all throughout the the third movie. Like, it's not like they don't do a good enough job justifying why the Jedi are distrustful of Palpatine, right? They actually, they go out of their way, I think, to make that a very readable thing. Um, And the whole showdown with Palpatine in uh, in his office with Mace Windu and Fisto and everybody else, um, that all tracks, I think, think from from kind of like a... You understand why the Jedi think what they think. You understand why Anakin thinks what he thinks, right? Um, but uh, I, it, I don't know. It just feels like a part that's kind of missing from from in inside of the second movie. Yeah, I, I feel that. Did you like that? Do you like uh, the like? Did you think that the stuff before the ultimate power stuff was? You mean like the the Senate room, like the yeah, like the, the no, treason? no, sorry, not the yeah, the um, uh, I yeah, am the, the Senate. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't look at it without seeing the memes. Um, but like, <laughs> I think I think it's fine, right? Like I I, th- I th- like through that melodrama lens, I think it works. Um, you know what? You want to know something that's really cool about that whole scene? Not all, not all the time, but a lot of the time. Um, in that fight, Mace Windu is shot from the same kind of perspective and angle that Darth Vader is shot from. Like you can actually match it up pretty one to one. The most gla- like the most easy example of this is when uh, Mace Windu has his lightsaber to Palpatine. He is Dar- like that's Darth Vader in the "I am your father" moment. It's uh, the same framing. I right? see. And there's also the one where like his face is all big and he's you know like and his brow is super yeah, yeah. furrowed and you know like these are all pulled from these are all pulled from the way that they framed Darth Vader uh, in the original trilogy. This is like rhyming stuff. Uh, yeah. But I love all that stuff because it's important because like when you shoot that scene from Anakin's perspective, essentially when you're when the camera is implying that Mace Windu is evil and Palpatine is good, right? And then Anakin shows up. I feel like that's that's really neat and that's really cool. Yeah, uh, the only thing I dislike about it is that like just how like immediately uh, Palpatine murders um, murders every, the other Jedi that are with Windu. 
I hate that too. I really hate that. Especially because all of those Jedi also uh, are pretty like cool and interesting in the, in yeah. the EU. Kit Fisto being the obvious example uh, that everybody talks about. And, and I feel like they, they did it because they felt like they, they needed to have a... Like, they needed to justify when you're not going there by himself. And the yeah. easiest way to do this is to have him not go there by himself and just have them, him immediately. But it, it seems like they fall way too easily. Yeah, this is actually one of the changes uh, that is bad for the movie, I think. Apparently, at the last second, uh, George Lucas decided that the Emperor should personally, like, the Emperor should personally get involved in the lightsaber fight. Um, the way it was originally written, like, his guards face off against the Jedi and end up killing three of them, but then dying. And then Mace Windu goes over and is, like, threatening Palpatine. Uh, and so Palpatine doesn't get involved with the lightsaber at all. Um, I, I feel then, like you could you could have done it. Like, that way, and just have, like, him walk over with the lightsaber, and then Palpatine pulls out the lightsaber and fights him himself. Yeah, yeah I think you definitely could have done that, too. It's one of the things that gets talked about a lot when people talk about how, like, when people want to, like, shit on George Lucas, because it's one of the things that he changed kind of at the last minute. One of the reasons that that lightsaber fight is, like, weirdly shot is because, um, like, they, they didn't have a stunt double prepared for Palpatine because he wasn't supposed to be fighting, and so Ian McDermott did all those himself. He did that triple spin through the air by himself? <laughs> I think that was CGI. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, like, swinging, swinging it around, yeah. right? Like, it's this geriatric old guy. Uh, this also plays into me a little bit about, um, like, I, I actually, like, I like the ending a lot. And I especially like, um, uh, like, I, like, I especially like what, you know, uh, the part where Yoda and Palpatine are fighting on the Senate floor and Palpatine is throwing the Senate boxes at Yoda. Um... But I think that whole fight should have just been force powers. I don't think there should have been any lightsabers in it. Uh, which is part of why I talked a little bit about, you know, like, in Attack of the Clones, I don't like how yeah. Yoda, you know, like, Yoda, like, is, is, is getting involved with the lightsaber. I don't think Palpatine should get involved in the lightsaber either, right? That these should kind of be, uh, like, these are almost fights of telekinesis and force lightning and force powers more than they are fights of, um, yeah, no, I, you know, like, lightsabers. I get that. And, and I feel like you've got a point there, but I also think that, like, if you have uh, Palpatine not use the lightsaber, like, the question becomes, like, why didn't Yoda just kind of style on his ass? Yeah. Yeah, in a way, I think that's almost like a, a rote, you know, like, they wrote themselves in the yeah, corner yeah. Um, a little bit. Especially, it's actually funny because Palpatine is apparently, um, like, the different lightsaber forms, right? There are seven lightsaber right. forms or whatever. Palpatine is apparently a master of lightsaber form zero. Uh, which is the lightsaber form for turning, like, lightsaber, quote-unquote, form zero is, like, this is you learning when to turn your lightsaber on and off, right? Uh. Um, and so, for instance, one of the things in the Battlefront games is Palpatine, as he's, like, you know, moving around the battlefield or whatever, uh, he doesn't have his lightsaber on. He only turns it on to, like, slash, and then he turns it off immediately, uh, and I wish more of that had come out because it's like apparently like an EU sort of thing where like the reason that Palpatine is good in a lightsaber fight is because nobody expects him to turn his lightsaber off in specific times. And so like, you know, you'll swing at him and he'll swing back, but he'll turn his lightsaber on or he'll turn his lightsaber off so you can't parry it and then turn it back on and then hit you sort of thing. I don't know if that would really track visually, which is kind of what I bet is the reason that it doesn't make yeah, it yeah, yeah. on screen or in any of the movies or, you know, in anything along those lines. Um, but it is like apparently like a it's it's like a detail that I think is very neat. Yeah, no, I I, I agree that does sound neat. Um, but I think we're, we're we're kind of tracking towards the end of our time to speak about the prequels. Definitely, uh, man. I really enjoyed this. I love the prequels. Yeah, this was fun. So much, uh, 
Uh, I do not love them as much as you do, but I do love them more than the average bear. So, buddy, you have any final thoughts on on uh, Revenge of the Sith? I hope, my hope, um, especially if Star Wars Episode Eight is not good, is that people will kind of look back on the prequels and be like, they're not so bad after all, right? No, Phantom Menace, you know, two, two, like two and a half star movie, whatever, right? Uh, Attack of the Clones is bad, but Revenge of the Sith kind of got most of it right, and I wish we had more Revenge of the Sith sort of thing. Like, I really hope that, like, 20 years from now, we almost kind of have, like, one of those, like, you know, like, Blade Runner kind of things where it was shit on at the time, but then after the fact, everyone's kind of like, ah, it's actually pretty good sort of thing. That's my that's my pie-in-the-sky dream <laughs> for, uh, uh, for the prequels and for Revenge of the Sith specifically. I obviously don't have as high opinions of the prequels as you do, especially not episode three. Um, I think, I personally think that the prequels all fall solidly below the original trilogy. Like maybe there's an argument that three is better than six, but, um, I, I obviously feel different. We'll talk about this more when we get to the, uh, the original trilogy episode, but, uh, I don't think I have anything else to say about revenge of the Sith. Um, in that case, I think it's time to tell you that you can email us about what you think of the Star Wars prequels at podcast at com or games at gmail.com. You can also watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash games. You can uh, follow us on SoundCloud and Twitter and and iTunes. Leave us ratings and comments. We'll read them all. We love them all. Um, and I think that's about it. Buddy, do you have anything else you wanted to promote? I have nothing else that I'd like to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.